You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back to the Oz Network, as we bring you another film episode of your favourite TV and film podcast in the entire world, as we continue our rewatch of the Spider-Man films. We've done Spider-Man 1, and it's time to do Spider-Man 3. Just kidding, it's Spider-Man 2. We thought you would like that joke and clearly not because it really wasn't that funny but spider-man 2 we're here yay sam raimi trilogy woo spider-man 2 um we love this film because it's awesome and it's spider-man and there's nothing else not to like about it well maybe there will be we'll get to it uh, of course we're doing this in the lead up to uh spider-man homecoming which is coming out in a few weeks and we thought we would give you our take on every other spider-man film that has come out in between now and then except they came out in 2004 in the case of this film and others in other years. But we will get into this. I don't know where I'm going with this. It's late, people, all right? I'm still angry over MJ. Jesus Christ, I had to watch her again. Please, just forgive me. Uh, my name is Ben, and if promises was crackers, my daughter would be fat. And my name is Colin, and he just stole that guy's pizza! <laughs> oh, goodness. This was actually, like I just said to you, fair. I didn't really tag a lot of quotes in this one, even though I feel there's more quotes in this than... I'm giving it credit for, because I felt this was a bit um, humorous than the first one, so Mm -hmm. we'll get to that. But uh, yeah, Spider-Man 2, it's uh, kind of often regarded as a little bit higher than the first one. Uh, We talked that up a fair bit, as well as talking down on it. Um, But just before we get into, I guess, the basics of this, uh, Colin, your your history with Spider-Man 2. Well, it's funny, because when... I say this is going to sound weird, considering in the first episode I said I saw Spider-Man 1 four times when it was playing in theaters. Um, But when this came out, the trailer got me so excited. I can still remember watching the trailer probably a hundred times. And I think it it wasn't just because, you know, I like Spider-Man. Because in all honesty, usually if I'm watching a trailer that much, it's for something like Star Wars or James Bond that I'm like completely obsessed with. And to see Spider-Man one four times and not be completely obsessed with it might seem a little bit weird. But this trailer just got me so excited. And I, I think it was very clear right from the beginning that this was going to be a sequel done right. And having said that, when the trailer for Spider-Man 3 came out, I said the exact same thing. Um, we'll get to that in another week. But I was there opening day to see this, and uh, I did see it a second time when it was in the theater. I didn't see it as much as the first one, but overall, I liked it more, and uh, it's another one of these movies that I I think I often forget how good it is. Whenever people ask, like my nephews always ask, well, what's the the best superhero movie? I'll tell them, like, you know, Superman, the original Superman movie, X-Men 2, Spider-Man 2, but then I'll watch the movie, and I'll still forget how good it is. It's what you were saying about the first one that the first is kind of like the perfect superhero movie i feel like this one even more so is and uh uh, every time i watch this movie it it, kind of just blows me away some of the stuff in it whereas in the first one i felt there were some parts that uh we ended up picking at more than we thought we would uh with this one i think it's going to be a bit of the opposite i don't know if there's going to be much to pick on in this hmm uh i might disagree with that slightly but we'll get to that um, oh shut up ben you're starting already <laughs> wow ouch that hurt my feelings um yeah I, I, having said that i do love this film i'm not saying i don't like this film i do love this film i pretty much agree with everything that you said um i mean i think i did touch on it at the end of the last one though that i i still think i kind of like spider-man one a little bit more than spider-man two but again it's still very close in terms of uh you know the likability i mean i saw this yeah opening day i remember I, again a film i think i saw at least twice at the cinemas um 
and yeah, love this film. Uh, still do. It's 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 such an easily rewatchable film as well. Um, you know, it's not one of these ones you, you generally have trouble sometimes getting through it, uh, you know, except when we get MJ on screen. But, hey, cool, we'll get to that. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting. I mean, you touched on in the last episode the fact that this came out so quickly after the the first one. I mean, this came out uh, in June 2004. So, I mean, basically, what, two years, really, uh, for a movie of this size to come out straight away. I mean, that's, that's a big turnaround, you think about it. And then generally, the fact that it's still so darn good, you would expect maybe something to be come out this quickly. You almost feel it'd be rushed and it's not as good. But, yeah, I mean, this was, uh, again, as you've kind of touched on and the reviewers have touched on plenty, this is generally the, the best reviewed out of all five of the Spider-Man films that we've had in the last 15 years. So, um, for sure, we've got uh, plenty of uh, positives to talk about this film and... Um, there are still things that we will touch on, of course, through throughout it. I mean, all our our, our main people are still there. Tobey Maguire, Kirsten Dunst is back, James Franco, Rosemary Harris, of course, uh, Colin's favourite. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> Alfred Molina joins the cast. He's uh, Doctor Ock, Doc Ock, and uh, you know, plenty of plenty of fun along the way. Still, as we said, directed by Sam Raimi. Got a bit of a budget increase though, two hundred million dollars to make a film. That's not too bad if you ask me um and uh yeah we'll get to all the box office and everything along those lines uh when it comes to the end of it one actually interesting thing that i read i was just reading through the trivia um before we started here just kind of get a vibe on it and i actually didn't realize that uh i mean we i think we talked briefly about the casting of spider-man in our first episode and, and one of those names that came up i think was jake gyllenhaal uh, in terms of possibilities for Toby, uh, for Toby Maguire's role there of Peter Parker. And yeah, I was reading here that he was, Toby Maguire actually was in doubt to come back because he had some back issues or something. So, uh, Mr. Is it Gyllenhaal? Gyllenhaal? Whatever. Potato, potato. Gyllenhaal, yeah. Gyllenhaal. Uh, he was very much closely associated to take over. So how, how do you feel that would have gone? Had they basically replaced Toby straight away? Uh, see you, Toby. Sorry you got a bad back. Uh, in comes, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> Well, I can remember when that broke, uh, and I think the way it originally broke was that, uh, you know, Tobey Maguire was demanding too much money and they didn't want to bring him back, which was a complete lie because this was, I believe, one of the first franchises that act- an actor had to sign on for from the beginning. I know they did that with the Star Wars movies, but other than the Star Wars, I think this was like the next one where they said, you know, when we make the first one, we know we're making at least a trilogy. We're going to lock people into contracts for three films. Uh, but yeah, it was a back injury and uh, it was some of those like very heavily covered in the media. And uh, I, I, at least from what I've read, it was very close to happening. They, they just simply said Spider-Man 1 was one of the biggest movies ever made. There's no way we're going to wait, you know, four years to make this. And even if we do wait four years is he going to be capable of doing this movie still? So Jake Gyllenhaal was the replacement. I, I feel like if there's anybody who could just play Tobey Maguire in a, a movie of Tobey Maguire's Jake Gyllenhaal, they're kind of <laughs> interchangeable in a lot of ways. Yeah. I, I think I'm probably a slightly bigger Jake Gyllenhaal fan, but that has more to do with the fact that I think he's made a lot more movies. Tobey Maguire is very selective. Uh, but they are interchangeable, and if anybody could have taken over, I think it would have been him. Yeah, it's interesting to think about it, because, yeah, I agree with you. They're very similar. Uh, I mean, I, I'd be more Team Toby than Team Jake, but having said that, I don't dislike Jake Gyllenhaal. I think probably would have done a better job than Andrew Garfield. Um, you know, we'll get to that. <laughs> um, but, again, I don't... Yeah, I'm not, don't start that can of worms yet, Ben. But, um, 
Yeah, that would that would have been very interesting how that happened. But <laughs> good to see Sony had a lot of faith in Toby. The fact that oh, we're not willing to wait around a couple of years extra. You know, we'll just get Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> like clearly they were <laughs> they were very much sold on their Toby Maguire choice. <laughs> That's um, I don't know how I would take that if I was Toby Maguire. What that. You're replaceable. <laughs> well, well, like the, the, you so like you know you hear a lot of these ones like if there's an injury they'll wait a little bit for you know to get better. But like if they're just that we need to get this out now. Like fuck you, Toby Maguire. <laughs> yeah, and like it's kind of lost on people now because we've had three Spider Mans in 15 years. It's almost as you know interchangeable as Batman. But at the time that Spider Man One came out, a lot of the success was to Maguire and people. They look on it differently now, especially with Kirsten Dunst. People look back and they complain a lot about her. But at the time, those two were very key to the success of the movie. And a lot of the especially younger people who saw these movies, uh, it was very important to have them come back. And I think that's where a lot of the worry was. I don't remember a lot of people saying, oh, Jake Gyllenhaal would make a terrible Spider-Man. I just remember a lot of people saying, like, no, we have to get Tobey Maguire back. Like, don't pull a Batman on us here. It is funny that they ended up... Uh, doing that movie Brothers together when they play brothers because they are basically the same person. <laughs> and, and and who else is in that movie, Colin? Uh, one of your favourites. Uh... Uh, an actress that could have been replaced by Kristen Dunst and done a better job. <laughs> Natalie Portman for those playing at home in case you're wondering yeah. what the hell that joke was going from. Um, is Just quickly, is Spider-Man the most, like I guess, Batman of the 90s and 80s? But I'm thinking in the last 15 years, it would be between... I mean, I guess the Hulk. I mean, he was, what, Eric Banner, Edward Norton, and um, who's the Hulk in the Avengers now? I've, I've gone blank. Um, yeah, that's it. Paul Rupp. So, like, I guess we've had more Hulks than we've had Spider-Mans, or... Uh... We've had the same, I think. It's, but in a shorter I mean, period you... of time, I should say. Yeah, exactly. I mean, with the Hulk, we're looking at... It was four years... Uh, or, sorry, not four years. The, um, uh, 2003, I guess, to... Nine years, they had three Hulks, and with <laughs> Spider-Man were, you know, I three think it's like 14 years, three, yeah. Yeah, 14. Batman so. still <laughs> wins at three Batmans in five years. Yeah. <laughs> or, yeah. yeah. I'm Batman. Really? No, you're not. You got changed, so sucked <laughs> in. Um, We've got George Clooney on speed dial. You're not yeah. Batman, okay? <laughs> I think of bat nipples. Um, but let's get into Spider-Man 2. We're here to talk about that. We'll talk about bat nipples at another date when we eventually do Batman <laughs> and Robin. Um, I love the way that all three of these Spider-Man movies start out. I mean, like, this is not me just shitting all over the amazing Spider-Man, but I just feel these always start out better. Just the way the music starts and you've got the web and the text. And I think, like, when we get to Spider-Man 2, of course, here and then Spider-Man 3, just kind of like the recap of what we've already seen and um mm-hmm. definitely here like it's sort of done in comic book style you know with the animated uh you know scenes from uh the, the first movie uh just, can I just point out the animated willem defoe is fucking scary that is <laughs> just that face <laughs> that face showing. of his yeah yeah and i do I, as soon as i've seen this the animated bit there with you know torn up spider-man over naked norman's body and, and harry in the background i'm automatically just thinking of rape thanks for that colin that's always ruined uh, I'm no. When we get to Spider-Man three, I'm always thinking about the the creepy butler. Just like, that's uh, my job. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad we got a line from him in this movie. Like, more yeah. than I love him. I just he's like, oh, my... I've got yeah, I've got some stuff to say on him later on. Yeah, Mister Osborn already. <laughs> I can't even do it. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, we get a great opening, the webs, spiders, webs, and all that sort of stuff. It's great. It's, uh, you know, if you missed the first movie, hey, you just got recapped in about five minutes. Uh, but who do we cut to straight away? Ugh, MJ. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> 
On a billboard. On a billboard. What what off-Broadway play has that many billboards around New York? Well, How many guys did no. she sleep with in the advertising industry to get those boards up? I mean, the, the billboards aren't for the play. They're for a perfume. Um, but it just shows how successful she is that she has both her own perfume ad and her own play off-Broadway. <laughs> but, but, like, can we just point out here, this is the weirdness of MJ's character in this, is that she's famous enough to be the face of a perfume. She's on an off-Broadway play that is so popular it's hard to get tickets for and all this sort of stuff. Then in the next one, she obviously gets bumped up to Broadway, but she's shit because she gets fired. <laughs> And yet she can easily just, like, I don't get, like, why isn't she more famous? I mean, I, I you know, I've been to New York. I guess Broadway stars aren't exactly, you know, George Clooney. He's a flavour of the moment on this episode. Uh, but, like, I don't know. I just feel she should be more famous than she is. Well, let's be honest. When we go through this movie, we're going to be picking out a lot of recognisable people that most yes. people forget were in this movie. So, yeah, I think it's fair to say, especially in New York, people just aren't going to care. Yeah, it's, it's New York. You know, there's just so many famous people around. You're exactly right. Uh, but I love the the opening of this is, is great. Uh, you know, we, we basically cut to, yeah, Peter Parker's narration. He's telling us he's Spider-Man again. Awesome. Um, and then we straight away, Peter Parker, he's uh, got to deliver pizza. He's running late. This is obviously the running theme. A lot of this movie is Peter is having to juggle his life of being Spider-Man and basically pleasing everyone else. And if I, I guess if there's any sort of message I have for this film in terms of your feelings towards Peter Parker and Spider-Man, you really feel sorry for the guy in this movie. You just, he just can't catch a break. And um, I think Tobey Maguire plays it perfectly. I think he does it so well. Um, and again, we can talk about that overall when it comes to it. But yeah, we get this great opening scene of uh, him grabbing the pizza. You know, Joe's 29 minute guarantee. You know, it's it's a, what does he say? Like, it's a, it's it's a, a promise. promise. Yeah. Um, an interesting fact, again, it's good that I read these, these trivia things before I come on air, because uh, apparently that number on his helmet is a real number for a real pizza place in New York, and ah. they appreciate the free, you know, they got a shitload of publicity off it, so there you go, if, you, if you're in New York and you're watching Spider-Man 2, ring it up, it's a real pizza place, it's not, it's not Aziz's or Joe's or whatever it's called, it's a different one, but... Um, yeah, so we get, basically, he's got a rush. He's only got, what, nine minutes at that point or something ridiculous. And for some reason, he doesn't automatically go as Spider-Man. He decides to go, like, what is it, five blocks or something ridiculous in New York traffic on his little bike messenger thing? Um, you know, battling out with New York traffic, going, what are you, stupid? Um, <laughs> He's still got time to, uh, you know, all of a sudden change into Spider-Man. Uh, he just stole that guy's pizza. Oh, I love that guy. <laughs> now, is he, Whoa, he's he someone, stole- isn't he? Isn't he someone famous? He looks familiar. Uh, yeah, I, I I was looking at it before. I, it's it's not somebody I think there's been a lot of things. His name's Donald Rawlings. He was on The Chappelle Show. Right. Uh, he's a stand-up comedian, I guess. But, yeah, he is one of those guys that you're like, I've seen this guy somewhere before. I mean, it's probably when you see him in other stuff, you're like, that's the just stole the guy's pizza guy from Spider-Man. Yeah. yeah. And, again, interesting statistic. Gee, I'm smart all of a sudden here, uh, Colin. I've at least read all the ones at the beginning of this film. Um, that was originally uh, filmed as Stan Lee. That was Stan Lee's cameo in this film. But, apparently, it didn't turn out as well as I thought they did. I thought it would, so they changed it and then gave him another cameo. Can we just figure here, how would that have sounded as Stan Lee doing it? (laughs) He just stole that guy's pizza. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably why they got rid of it. So we've got, you know, instead of like, he just stole that guy's pizza. Instead of like, he just stole that guy's pizza. 
Uh, <laughs> so I do love that guy, though. Yeah, he's, so- he's, 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 I've seen him in something before. Like, yeah, it's just he's but, def- definitely been in something uh, I've seen. I just wanted to stop right away just to, before I forget, talk about the, like you said, this one's more humorous. And every movie nowadays, the second part, they all try to be the Empire Strikes Back and go darker. And what most people missed about the Empire Strikes Back is if you're actually thinking about what movie had the most humor, uh, I would go out of my way to say that the Empire Strikes Back might have more humor than the other Star Wars movies. It's just, it's humor in certain spots. It's like the the awkward scene with Luke and Leia, or Leia kissing Luke and stuff like that, and the, the, the Nerf Herder comments, Chewie laughing everybody. There's a lot of humor in The Empire Strikes Back. It's just they position it well, and that's kind of what they did in this. Even in this first scene, you have the, the just his mask hanging out of his pocket. There was a disturbance, and then stuff it back in and all that. The pizza guy and hi- coming up when he's in the closet. I mean, you, you know, I know you'll get to that in a second, but there's a ton of humor right off the bat, and that's one of the ways I think they can balance it being a little bit darker later on. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree, and it's... It's just, it's such a, this all works out so well, like in this opening bit, just how it is so just like fun. I mean, we're straight into this. I mean, you, you think about Spider-Man 1 kind of, you know, it takes a little bit to get into kind of the action, but I mean, we're straight into it straight away. There's no, there's no messing around here. Um, and, you know, he, he still has time to save stupid kids who are just getting out in the traffic. Like stupid kids, where are your parents? You know, we need that. Where's my baby? My baby, my baby woman. She'd save my those baby, kids. My baby, my baby. <laughs> <laughs> But she could have been all over this movie. We get the, you know, the great bit with the pizzas on the ledges and that guy's like, oh, free pizza, and he goes to get it. And, uh, you know, Spider-Man still has to get that one slice back. Um, you know, it's great. Uh, and then basically we cut to a building and somehow he gets in a closet. I don't get this. Like, is that closet connected to something? How does he come through that well, building, go in the closet, get changed, and not have uh, Emily Duchanel or however you say her last name um, see him? He goes through a window. You can see him fly into a window. My question is, why does a janitor's closet have a window in the first place? Well, that's true. But clearly, the janitor's doing a lot more than cleaning that building. He's <laughs> he's a perv or something like that. Um, but yeah, that's a, this is a great scene. He comes out. You know, he's trying to shove the the brooms and everything in. It's just you know, it's subtle but it's funny. <laughs> it's just, I just I, I should really talk it up more because it is actually quite a funny scene. Um, and then I love the way he just walks up to the... What does he say? Like, pizza's here or pizza time or whatever it is. Yeah, pizza time. All excited. Like, this secretary, this snotty secretary. I'm like, yay! <laughs> He's doing it like it's like a kid's birthday party. <laughs> but, the, but, like, I want to know what she... Who's she ordering these, like, nine pizzas for or whatever it is? Because, you know, this is... What's she a receptionist for? It just looks like an apartment building. But, uh, of course, we should mention, you, you said, you're right, there's so many sort of famous people in this film just in the smallest roles he's uh how do you say her last name you know i'm gonna butcher is it deschanel uh, that sounds right to me i don't know oh, wow maybe i've got one right for once uh, emily deschanel <laughs> of course uh i guess what most notably for bones would you say i mean she's been in plenty of other yeah. things but uh i guess bones and I- i'm kind of gonna guess is she related to zoe deschanel am i just really dumb in not assuming they're sisters yeah, no, i or- think they are sisters yeah okay good i just wanted to make sure that that's not the most obvious thing in the world that i'm just missing out on uh but i mean she, she basically just says the line what does she say like I'm not paying for those. I don't have to pay for yeah. those. That's all she says. But it's, I think it's her look where she kind of just looks up at the clock. Um, <laughs> you know, like, so good. So good. Uh, and I'll cap it. So yeah, he goes back to the pizza. He gets fired for the first time. I'm going to cut it just before we get to Jonah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But, uh, you know, it was it Joe's 29 minutes gives a promise uh, you're fired and, you know, give me a chance and hashtag poor Peter. Um, but uh, it's such a fun opening. Uh, yeah, I, I made the exact same you did. The first note I have in this entire uh, recap here is why doesn't he spidey himself there? <laughs> He's taking this little scooter he could have gotten there in like four minutes if he wanted to and then gotten a tip and gotten out of there or whatever. It really makes no sense, um, but it makes for such a fun scene. Like The one thing that Sam Raimi, I think, has picked up even more in this movie, and I made tons of notes about this, is just how great the visuals are of him being Spider-Man and you know, li- little things more than just the Spider-Man flying, but uh, you know, him zooming through the traffic and all that, I, the... Everything that Sam Raimi does in this movie is better than what he did in the first movie. I think he directed better performances. Uh, he handled the story better. There's better balance with the the drama and the comedy, and especially the visuals in this. It's great, and all the little gags that he has, like this. Is what I was talking about with the humor, you know, the, the he just stole that guy's pizza guy, the the spider web, like you said, and that closet. This this reminds me so much. There's um. Uh, I was working once, and there was a guy who maybe I don't even know what's going to communicate as funny as the story, but there's like a first aid box, you know, mounted to a wall, and this guy was trying to get a band aid out of it, and the first aid box kind of collapsed, and all these band aids sort of rained out. So he's picking them up and trying to stuff it back in the box, but he can't close the box. So every time he's down on the floor picking up more band aids, they're raining down on his head again. And he's looking up like, oh, oh. <laughs> it was going on for like five minutes. And I think we were in tears hiding behind a cubicle wall, just mocking this guy. <laughs> this is what reminds me of like, no matter what he did, he couldn't get the brooms back in the closet. It's one of the funniest moments of the whole movie. And then, like you said, yeah, the pizza time, all excited. Um, this snotty receptionist, <laughs> I-, I love the fact that she feels she has to hold him on the time. <laughs> this is why I'm not going to pay you. Not you just broke in through a window in a business here, or why are these boxes crushed? Because if you look, the boxes are like demolished. Yeah, she could have simply opened it up and been like, "There's spider webs on this pizza. I'm not paying for this." <laughs> but instead, she's like, "No, you're two minutes late." It's like, Everybody in New York is just waiting to hold somebody to their promises. It's like you broke your word. I'm not paying. I mean, well, this is like some type of corporate event. They have the money. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know if you've ever you've worked in a big office place. They do like pizza things all the time. It's yeah. all write-offs. I've run my own business. This is all a write-off. Like you want to pay for these pizzas because it's better on your taxes at the end of the year. The fact that she's like, I'm not paying for that is just despite him. It's like, I just want to stick it to this 20-year-old kid who <laughs> thinks he can break in through a window and mess up our janitor's closet and feed me spider web cobweb pizza. Yeah, I think this is one thing we're noticing about the New York and Spider-Man world is they don't really pay attention to a lot of things. It's kind of yeah. like, oh, there's just a kid jumping over rubes and falling off shit. That's fine. It's New York. I mean, you know, we survived 9-11. We've seen it all now. So it's kind of like, whatever. Um, yeah, it's um, it's it's interesting. Actually, and you mentioned the, sort of the visuals. We should say this. Uh, we mentioned the last Spider-Man got nominated for Academy Award for Best Visual Effects. This won the Academy Award mm-hmm. for, uh, for visual effects uh, in 2005. It, it beat out... Uh, a bit at iRobot and Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. There you go. Is that really the most competitive visual <laughs> effects year, though? <laughs> uh, well, iRobot was okay. Um, and yeah. <laughs> Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, that had prisoners in it from Azkaban. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> But, like, you mentioned the 
the visual effects. Like the first one, I was critical of the visual effects, and I'm still critical of it. I struggled to find a single bad shot in this one. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. There's, I mean, there's a couple of ones I think if you're really staring at, like, you know, Doc Ock's face when he's, like, climbing things, you're like, okay, that looks <laughs> a bit rubbery. But, I mean, you know, just tiny little things there. Um, so, anyway, from this point, we get uh, we get our favourite. Uh, Jonah Jamison is back uh, <laughs> straight away into it from being fired to hearing, you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> He's he's got a much more prominent role in this film, which is great. It's, it doesn't overdo it either. It's so good. Um, and again, just pointing out the newspaper inconsistencies here, people. We've got six minutes to deadline and we don't have a front page. Right. Uh, <laughs> sure. Good luck with How that about, one. How about... What's the, the name of the pizza place? Uh, Joe's Pizza. <laughs> Joe's Pizza. How about Joe's Pizza doesn't fulfill their promise there's a front page story yeah, for you there you go what does is, what is he say like uh put a chicken on the front page and say you know food scare food, city. Yeah. Like, is, is that true i feel a bit bad <laughs> uh, and of course you know peter parker's got the pictures you know he's you know, great photos let's just point it out he's a very good photographer mm-hmm. is peter but uh you know that's not going to sell newspapers of men playing chess in the park uh, <laughs> you know <laughs> And I like the fact he's on the phone. <laughs> what does that person say? Your wife's on the phone and she lost a check. Lost a checkbook. Thanks for the good news. Yeah. <laughs> you can't even keep up with it. Like he's so quick in this movie. It's great. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, and then, obviously, he shows the uh, the photo of Spider-Man. And what does he say? Like, it's crap. I'll give you $100 for it. And it's like, <laughs> no, I want $300. That's outrageous. Done. <laughs> Done. <laughs> and, no, I'll send you some nice Christmas meat. <laughs> yes. He's gone through his meat. He should. <laughs> I do like his line. This is actually, I, I told a line before and I said I only wrote one quote. This is another one that I completely forgot I had. When he said, like, get your pretty little portfolio off my desk before I go into a diabetic coma. <laughs> Just, he says that. Um, Peter gets his check, goes out to the front of the desk to uh, get his money. But uh, sadly for Peter, he's uh, already had... Uh, an advance so it doesn't cover him for his last one you know poor peter again struggling in life um and next we see him in college and where is he like he just drops his books everyone's running into him and yelling at him it's like poor peter like <laughs> what's a jerk like fuck you stupid assholes like leave him alone toby Maguire, right he was in pleasantville um and then he's he's rushing to class and we meet the lizard sort of uh it's kirk connor's <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, was this actually a plan for them to eventually turn him into the lizard or would they recast him because I, I look I don't, again I haven't really read the comic books my only sort of um, you know interaction with the, the lizard is from Reese Ifans in The Amazing Spider-Man but I, I don't picture this guy as turning into a lizard <laughs> well I mean the the backstory is that you know he lost his arm and everything um, I, I think the idea was to use him. It was never official, but the thing is, is that these movies go through so many rewrites. I think uh, the first two had defined villains. They're like, we know we're going to use the Green Goblin. We know you're going to use Doc Ock. I know for the third one, and then even the Amazing Spider-Man, they went through so many different villains that they wanted to use, and it's possible at some point the idea was to use Lizard in the third one, or even the fourth one. Something else that should be mentioned is that 
when even though Tobey Maguire was locked into a trilogy and Kirsten Dunst and James Franco and everybody, um, the idea that Sony came out with before this movie was that they said they eventually wanted to do six Spider-Man movies, which at the time people were like, you can't make six movies in a series because we'd been living in trilogies for our entire lifetime. But yeah, they had mapped out like six years or not six years, six films over the course of 12 years they wanted to make. Wow. Uh, and it's possible yeah, the idea was to use Lizard at some point, you know, in four or five down the road. Hmm. It's interesting how they, they would have done that with this guy. This is, uh, of course, Dylan Baker. who He's been in things before. Like, he's another one of these ones you kind of see. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, he's been in lots of things. Um, but, yeah, so clearly he's missed the class. Uh, he's getting told off again. Uh, you know, I want to be here. Then be here. Uh, and the funny thing here is when he says, your paper on Fusion is overdue, right? Okay, so clearly he's already not handed it in. So you would assume, you know, he's started it or something. But then the way he says, I'm planning it on Dr. Octavius. And then, you know, the, the, Dr. Connors doesn't, like, if I'm the teacher, I'm like, you haven't even started yet. You've had, like, a yeah, month exactly. to do this. <laughs> it's been overdue for two weeks and you haven't started fail. Like, why is he giving him a chance? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and several days pass before he even does start on it. I mean, exactly. No, no student is that strapped for time, uh, regardless of the disturbances that there are in New York City. Kind of um, Spider Man, but uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but like, it's also um, a case of like every single person involved in science in New York City are friends with each other. <laughs> Dr. Connors just happens to be a friend of mine. Like, we soon find out that, you know, Harry's going to introduce him, right? We'll get to that in a moment. But why doesn't Dr. Connors say, I'll introduce you to him? Like, clearly they talk, and he's mentioned Peter before. But, like, Dr. Connors doesn't want to help his students out, but, you know, good old rich boy Harry does. At least, you know, he's got a rich friend to help him out. Um, but, yeah, well, then he goes back home to see your favourite Aunt May. Here she is. Yay. Uh. Um, it's his birthday. And uh, <laughs> MJ's blonde all of a sudden. Clearly, you know, having sex with that many men turns your well, hair a different colour. Um, maybe like lighter red, yeah. But well, it definitely is different. It's definitely not as red as it was in the first movie. She actually it looks younger. She looks younger in this movie than she did in the first movie. Well, it, I, I actually had a kind of an opposite comment. I mean, for one thing, I think a lot of people were critical about how uh unnatural her red hair looked in the first one so they made adjustments in this and that was one of the things they made a big deal about was that oh at least now it looks like a natural red hair um i don't know if she looks younger i I felt like they were going out of the way to make her look older in this if you look even in this first scene she's wearing aunt may's dress i think i mean throughout (laughs) this entire movie she's dressing like a granny and maybe it was to make her more mature or something but that was the observation i came out of this with like why are they dressing her up like granny (laughs) well I, I, maybe it just zone out whenever she's on screen. I don't know, but I didn't notice her clothes. <laughs> uh, but I mean, just in this whole scene, obviously, I'll, I'll cab it here. You know, <laughs> we get uh, MJ. Oh, it's been ages. Where have you been? Like, oh, you know, clearly. I mean, we learned it's been two years since the first movie. We should mention that sort of. We didn't really mention the time frame. I mean, it has also been two years since the first movie. So I guess that makes sense. Uh, but we also get Harry, you know, how's the bug these days? You know, or you raped my father. Um, (laughs) somehow Harry has become head of special projects. Um, so like he was what, 16, 17 in the first film. So he's now 19 Mm -hmm. and he's like the head of special projects. How does that happen? He's also caught that desperate for people because, you know, Norman killed them all. (laughs) Yeah. On that topic there, it is funny that, um, 
I guess the idea here is that he took over his dad's business. And even in the first one, we didn't really touch on it. But when Norm, the, the board basically is voting him out, which means the board holds a majority over. It's not like Norman Osborne has the majority share of his own company. Clearly, his board has more power. And then he basically says, out, am I? And kills them all. And the idea would be, well, then he has the majority of his own company. But he wouldn't because the children would hold those shares of the business. So how does Harry – like, none of this really makes sense in a corporate environment. But that's just nitpicking. Yeah, well, look, it's, it's a fair enough thing, Colin. We were very serious about our corporate uh, side of uh, superhero And I movies. bet you Harry got there by knowing that by paying for the pizzas, you're saving yourself <laughs> on your taxes at the end of the year. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Uh, we should put out with Harry. We loved Harry in the first movie. He's such a nice guy. You know, oh, Harry, you would all date him. Harry turns into a bit of a dick in this movie. Oh, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so, uh, just, just pointed that out. Uh, we've got a, we've got another really nice guy in this film. We'll get to him. There's a guy in this film that even I would marry. You know, fucking MJ treating his heart like a little shit. He's an astronaut. He played football on the moon. I, Fuck yeah, you, MJ. I'm excited to get to him. <laughs> Like, let's be honest. Uh, anyway, um, my favourite line of this whole thing, I think, is when he starts talking about, like, I'm head of special projects. We're about to make a breakthrough on fusion. And then Aunt May's like, oh, how lovely, Harry. <laughs> Aunt May gets wet over fusion, apparently. <laughs> That's just her polite way of saying It's like, can we talk about Sudoku or something? <laughs> Remember that time when my husband got murdered? Uh, let's talk about that. <laughs> Um, but then, yeah, we basically, you know, Harry's working with an idol of his, Dr. Octavius. Oh, I'll meet you. I'll introduce you to him. Oh, how fantastic. That's not going to come back into this film at all. Um, <laughs> I've written here when they're talking about MJ and Harry's, what does Harry say? Like the way she looks at you. I've written here, <laughs> the way she looks at all men. Like that's just <laughs> not a Peter Parker thing. That's just a, oh, I'm buying a six inch foot long, whatever from Subway. And she's like looking that way. <laughs> Um, I, I'd be willing to, to venture a guess that if she were single long enough, she'd be looking at Aunt May like that. Yeah. <laughs> let's be honest, she's single for about five seconds, and that's a long time for MJ. Uh, yeah, well, this this is taking a lot longer to go through this scene in general. Uh, cool. Uh, Harry's taking talking about Spider Man. Uh, you know, asking, would you tell me if you knew who he was? Uh, Peter Parker's getting angry about it. Then Peter wakes up. Um, <laughs> May. Oh, Ben. Oh, oh my. Oh, Peter. Um, how's this getting? I actually am with you on this film. She annoys the shit out of me in this movie now. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> um, and basically, she tries to give Peter money, uh, even though her house is getting uh, foreclosed. And uh, yeah, we get it. She misses Uncle Ben. Uh, we, you know, obvious. Uh, I'm going to stop there before we get to the MJ scene. I covered a bit there. I went on, but uh, yeah. Uh, okay, first going back to the J. Jonah Jameson scene. It's funny when I saw this the first time, all four times I saw it, the first the, the first movie that is, uh, J. Jonah Jameson, people would laugh like crazy when he was on screen, but there was no reaction like, oh, there's J. Jonah Jameson. I, I remember watching the cartoon as a kid and I kind of had that reaction. It's like, oh, this guy's exactly like J. Jonah Jameson. But by the time the second movie came out, both times I saw it, people would cheer every time he appeared on screen, <laughs> which was really weird because like, I don't know if it's like this everywhere in the world, but like here in Winnipeg, it's pretty rare that you can get like any type of applause or even clapping. Uh, and strangely enough, one of the other times it happened was opening night of Attack of the Clones. There was cheering for Jar Jar Binks. There were a lot oh of Jar Jar God. Binks fans. What is wrong with Winnipeg? <laughs> but yeah, I just I, I distinctly remember every time I'm watching this, I can still hear 
the crowd's reaction every time Jay Jonah had a scene, it would be laughter before he said a word and people clapping. And that, that just shows how good he is in this movie. You you honestly can't even cover like you can cover every line he has, every facial expression he has. He's like the greatest thing in the history of comic movies. Uh, I did want to mention here with Betty Brant. I think I mentioned I don't remember if I did or not, but in the first movie, I was kind of disappointed that Betty Brant wasn't a bigger character. Uh, she was the one that was used more in the animated series that I remember watching as a kid. And there's interesting stories with Betty Brant where she kind of uh, the opposite of I guess Mary Jane. She likes Peter Parker but hates Spider Man. And that would have been something to to do in this. Um, also, we didn't even mention the first time around, the actress that plays Betty Brandt, Elizabeth Banks, a huge mm. star now as well. Yeah. You know, the Hunger Games movie is probably what she's most well-known for, but she did that uh, that porno movie or whatever with Seth Rogen. And, oh, I was going to say uh, she's in a real porno movie. Where? <laughs> Give me the link. Where? <laughs> I, was, I was also going to say, um, and this isn't being critical or anything, but... I think she looks way better with the the dark hair wig than she does, you know, with her natural blonde hair. I agree. I agree. That's a look that she should go with in real life, I think. But yep. I also love the relationship she has with Peter because she's really only in these movies for like one scene or maybe two scenes and a handful of lines. And she's like really hitting on Peter hard here. Like she's heavily flirting with him. And we find out she's giving him cash advances. <laughs> is Peter a gigolo here? Is that how he's making his extra money? Since he's been hired, fired from the pizza place in Dr. Connors? Like, she's giving him cash, and she's like, hey, hey, buddy. And <laughs> again, it's, he's it's, only 19, and she's probably, what, like 20, 30? Like 30, <laughs> yeah. But it is fun, and I wish they had had her more in the movies. At the time, I remember a lot of people saying, because people responded well to her in these movies, they're like, oh yeah, she's going to become a bigger character in a future movie. And maybe if we had had six, that would have happened. But uh, it's unfortunate it didn't here. Um, I love all of the moments throughout this movie. This is, I guess, a New York thing. Like when he's walking to school, you know, bumping into people. You just hear random things in the background of this movie, like, watch jerk. <laughs> and it, it's just going on constantly. I love that. And I just, I would love to re-edit this movie and just every once in a while throw a watch a jerk in the background at like the inappropriate times like at the birthday party or something like that um another note i made here we talked about in the first one about everybody having these extremely close relationships and yet never seeing each other like every time norman and peter saw each other it's like hey i haven't seen you since the last 60 second conversation we have (laughs) this scene the birthday party scene starts out with mj him saying hey long time no see and then harry hey you don't return my calls (laughs) So as far as we know, these people have not spoken to each other since the last scene of the last movie, and yet they're all closer than ever. It's, I don't know, there's, it's one of these things with these movies that there's not a lot of continuity with the relationships, I guess. Mm. Um, the the uh, scene, are we going to cover next the, um, I, don't know, I can't remember if we talked about it yet, the, when he goes to home with his $20, the rent guy? Uh, no, I, I, I wanted to cut, cause I wanted to talk about the MJ Peter backyard scene separately, just because okay. you'll see yeah. why in a minute. <laughs> All right. Uh, but yeah, I mean the, the, the scene where he wakes her up, what is her dream that she's having? That's another question I have. Like you were, <laughs> she's dreaming oh, about man. me. She loves, uh, the Oz yeah. network, you know, <laughs> it's like, how could you have said those things? Such <laughs> terrible things you said, Ben. <laughs> but yeah, like the birthday present of $20 or whatever. I'd also Cheap be willing skate. to bet that, yeah, like, she's got more than 20 bucks on her hands, you know? Sell some of those, like, crochet doilies that are sitting all over the 
Like, Aunt May's a cheapskate. Like, her only child, she gives him 20 bucks for his birthday. Meanwhile, he's, like, unemployed and living in the slums. She's got a nice house there. She could have, like, just ditched this house a long time ago. I know she owes the bank or whatever. And later on, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but I have to say it because it just goes with Aunt May being a cheapskate. She's like, oh, I've got Henry Jackson here moving all my couches and my furniture. I'm paying him $5. <laughs> a quarter of what you just paid your grand, your nephew, whatever the hell he is, you cheapskate. Yeah, this this is a, uh, I guess, your, your stereotype of an old lady who, uh, uh, it's like, here you go, here's a quarter, sonny. <laughs> go buy yourself a new record album or whatever. <laughs> this She's so stuck in her old age. Uh, I, there is, it's funny, I'm just going to tease this right off the bat. There is a scene where I'm going to say I not only liked, I loved Aunt May in one scene coming up. Uh, we'll get to that later. Maybe people can guess on what it's going to be. Any scene, she's nearly dead. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good. Not for her, but yes. Um, just just quickly, um, you, when you talk about Elizabeth Banks, she went on to be in another Tobey Maguire movie. She was in Seabiscuit, apparently, I'm seeing here. Oh, yeah. Um, but, of course, uh, she was in a movie which I know you've got oft- often on re- repeat, uh, the multiple Razzie Award winning Swept Away, starring Madonna. Uh- oh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you gave me a reason to watch a Madonna movie. <laughs> <laughs> Should be more than one reason. Uh, <laughs> but... Um, I just had to put this scene separately. <laughs> MJ, like we, I think we went over the first film that uh, Kirsten does a Tobey Maguire do have good chemistry. They do, yeah. But I don't know what it is about the writing in this film. I think it is seriously is the George Lucas romantic school of of words. <laughs> because let's go over what is said in this point here. Um, I get to see you every day. I like seeing you today, Peter. Oh boy, yeah. Oh boy, yeah. What? Uh, <laughs> nothing, <laughs> if you want to say something. I was wondering if you're still in the village. You're such a mystery. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what's funny is that, and I talked about in the first movie, these these uh, soap opera scenes really not working for me and dragging on too long. Their performances, they deserve some credit because I never realized how bad that dialogue is until <laughs> you read it there. Um <laughs> They pull it off pretty well. I mean, they, they they look very legitimately ready to jump each other, saying oh, I mean, such she terrible lines. Everybody on screen. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, it gets better, of course. We get the, what else does this say? I am seeing someone new, like a boyfriend. I've written here, no fucking <laughs> shit. She's MJ. Uh, <laughs> well, I like him. Should have been this week. <laughs> <laughs> Five minutes ago? Uh, I'm just waiting for Flash to turn out. <laughs> Baby, check out the new car. Don't scratch my wheels. wheels. Uh, <laughs> and then we get a, I'll come see your play. You're coming? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, just had to point that out. Uh, but, yeah, we get to <laughs> when he's back to his apartment. What's, does he have a name, the landlord? I think he does, but I just... Um, uh, I gotta find it here. Some crazy Russian name. Um, and he's he's in heaps of things too. Is he? Oh not? yeah. Like I remember when I first saw this, I'm like, Ditkovich. oh, I know that Ditkovich. guy. I got excited. Mister Ditkovich. Yeah. Oh, which uh, that's that's right because the name is a nod to Stanley's co-creator of the Spider-Man comics, Steve Ditko. Right. Right. Uh, I'm just actually here. We go. I'm looking here. So he was in Austin Powers. Of course he was. He was the uh, the Soviet guy when he, he comes out of um, hibernation. It's like, Soviet intelligence, are you mad? 
Uh, he was in Air Force One. He was one. That's he. He's one of the henchmen in Air Force One. Of course he was. <laughs> I saw him in something recently. I don't know what it was. I wish I mentioned his but name. Yeah, he's still alive, in other words. Elia Baskin. Still- you know, he does have a name. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, actually, just quickly, going back to Elizabeth Banks, she was Laura Bush in W's. I love that movie. The movie about George W. Bush. That was a good movie. Um, anyway, but this is great. I love I love this guy. He's <laughs> like, Rent. <laughs> he just drops it, you know. And then, uh, what, is, what else does he say? Like my line, you know, if promises were crackers, my daughter would be fat. And he's like, okay. "What is high? I, Can I spend yeah. it? <laughs> high? What is high? Can I spend it? <laughs> what does he say? Like I have is like a cat, eyes like a rodent. <laughs> oh, he's amazing. He's so so much, again. Look at how much humor there is, and we're like twenty minutes into this. Oh, it's so funny. And uh, you know who I'm going to like in this uh, upcoming bit? I love the anorexic his, daughter? I love the anorexic daughter. Uh, even the fact that she's anorexic. Um, I am a but huge fan You love fan anorexic girls? Well, not particularly. Uh, I mean, <laughs> you know, I don't think I've ever met an anorexic girl. Uh, and I'm sorry that you're anorexic. But I just... She's... Oh, I've just always had a thing for her. And I had her name up here a second ago. I've lost it already. Um, you like could Nina ma- Tova. That's it. Her. Oh, she <laughs> Ursula. That's her, her name, apparently. But she. I mean, all jokes aside, I think she's fucking gorgeous. But um, I just think her character's cute. Like you know, just the way she like burns the thing. Like, hey, Pete. Ah. And then like <laughs> later. <laughs> You you would you were nearly celebrating there, like person's gonna burn, person's gonna burn. Uh, but then also later on, I mean, I'm jumping way ahead with the whole like, oh, would you like some cake and some milk? This is uh, this is gonna be off topic if you haven't heard a lot of other shows, but we'll just get out of the way in case you haven't listened to other shows. Um, I find great humor in people burning, <laughs> and I'm not talking in like a really sadistic way. I'm not like I look up videos of people burning, but like. You know, you get like these America's Funniest Home video clips where somebody's blowing out candles on a birthday cake and their hair sets on fire and <laughs> stuff like that. I, I still remember one where people were playing like on a campground playing football and a guy tripped and fell in the fire and his back was engulfed in flames briefly. That's like the... <laughs> You're already losing <laughs> it already. <laughs> That's the funniest thing in the world for me. So we'll just put that out there. So if there's any other fire comments, people don't think that Ben's into anorexia and I'm into uh, <laughs> human immolation. But I just want to say, I don't remember if it was last night or the night before. I remember having a dream of watching something and somebody got set on fire. <laughs> it's so funny. You're really freaking me out now. I had this dream the other night. <laughs> somebody was on fire. <laughs> but I'm not a creep or anything. I just find it funny on America's Funny Home Videos. Burn, people, burn. Oh, uh, we got to stop now. I don't think I can take myself much longer. Um... But yeah, again, just pointing it out there. Ursula, I like you. You're pretty pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> Nagina Tova. Yeah, you're right. I actually looked her up once. Um, I think every time I've watched this movie, I'm always like, she's hot. Who is she? <laughs> then I are you going like, to tweet her during this episode? Are we going to pull a double R7? <laughs> I mean, she's got Twitter. Uh, sure. She's actually, she's actually a lot older than she looks, too. She's 37 now in real life. So she would have been, what, like... I guess she would have been like 23 at the time. Um, but, um, yeah, well, she's born in Honolulu. I'm about to go to Honolulu at the time of recording this. Maybe she's there. I can look her up. Uh- <laughs> and her Twitter says she's an actor, writer, director, and visual artist. Oh, well, she definitely has the visual part going on for us. So, um, 
Yeah. Hello, Magina. Magina. I was saying right. Uh, anyway, so uh, we we see Pete's apartment. It's kind of cute. What where, what happened to Harry's place? Like he was living there rent free, and now all of a sudden because he's had to move back home because his dad died. So you know, daddy doesn't pay the bills anymore. Like Harry can't still pay for an apartment for his friend. Well, I mean, it's pretty clear that they're not on the best. Despite him coming <laughs> to his birthday party, they're not on the best of terms. He probably said, "Listen, if you don't tell me who Spider Man is, I'm evicting you." And he's like, "Uh, sorry, I can't tell you." All right, get out. <laughs> That's just how it ended. Again, Harry turns into a bit of a dick, all right? (laughs) Can I comment really quickly? I don't want to disrupt this too much, but on his apartment, uh, you said it was kind of a cute apartment. Were you being serious? Because I look at this apartment, I'm like, this place is great. I want to live there. I I mean, it's it's kind of, it's like, it's interesting because, I mean, I guess they're trying to paint this picture of, like, it's a shithole. But... Mm -hmm. I mean, like, I've been obsessed with New York my whole life. I would gladly live in that place in the middle of Manhattan. Like, that'd be awesome. And, like, if you get to live with the daughter next door who's obsessed with you, I'm there. Uh (laughs) I think that this is a guy thing because my brother and I had the same thing growing up when we watched the Rocky movies. In the very first Rocky movie, he's living in, like, the biggest dump ever. Um, You know, he, he uses his door as a dartboard. He has a mattress rolled up in a corner that he can punch. It's just a pigsty. He's got newspapers covering ripped parts of his sofa. And we always look at this as a man. I love Rocky's apartment. I would love to live there. And we have the same reaction here with Spider-Man. It's like, oh, this is such a great apartment. I mean, it must just be a guy thing where you kind of want to live somewhere where you're like, I'm roughing it here in New York City. Yeah, I mean, it's like the- camping. Don't get me wrong, I would love to live in a better place, but I mean, I would happily live in this place. Like, you know, I don't think you and I are getting off over the thought of, oh, fuck, I really want to live in a shithole. Oh, yeah, (laughs) burn, burn, people, burn. Um, (laughs) I can't wait to share the bathroom with this creepy Russian landlord. (laughs) That scene, it's just so random. He comes out the next morning, knocks on the door, (laughs) he just walks straight in. With his pink (laughs) towel and bathrobe. <laughs> and then he the door, rent. And then just slams the door in his face. <laughs> it's not even that funny, but it is. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, um, we meet Doc Ock next. We meet Dr. Otto Octavius, uh, which, uh, you know, it's been a long time coming. Uh, it's Alfred Molina, everybody. We love Alfred. Um, and he's a bit of a dick to Peter straight away because in comes Harry and, you know, here he's Peter Parker. It's like, I don't have time to see students. <clears throat> but uh, Oscorp pays the bills. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and then we just, I guess, get, um, you know, Peter showing off his smarts and, uh, you know, oh, you're Connor's student. Uh, he tells me that you're brilliant but lazy. Uh, <laughs> I've just written here, poor Peter. Everyone's an asshole to him. <laughs> Everybody's gossiping about him behind his back too. <laughs> exactly. But then we get a lot of uh, scientific technical mumbo jumbo jumbo here. I, I lose track of the big words they use because I'm dumb. But um, yeah. <laughs> they're wanting to sustain fusion, basically. Uh, and then Peter's just showing off his knowledge of fusion. What is fusion? Is this just a comic book thing, or is this a? I mean, like, am I that dumb? I don't know what fusion is. You're Googling uh, it right well, now. I can I, I, let's say, I just Googled what is fusion. It's the process or result of joining two or more things together to form a single entity. Absolutely what I would have said. Uh, I feel like I'm in that room in the Matrix Reloaded with that bearded guy. He's a systematic anomaly with all those screens around me. Devo. Ergo, concordantly. <laughs> I, I, I have to say, I did understand, that if we're going to talk about the Matrix for a second, because we brought it up, I think, two episodes in a row or something. Um, 
I did understand most of the words that guy said, but he uses the word apropos in there, which I had to Google after seeing The Matrix. Like, what is apropos? The, the best thing that I ever used to describe that scene is, I don't know if you've ever seen the, uh, I think it was the 2003 or 2004 MTV Movie Awards, and they used to do that whole big parody sequence at the beginning. And I think it was Sean William Scott and Justin Timberlake hosted it that year. And they do, they rip that scene off where it's them standing in a room next to Neo, and Will Ferrell is the guy in that chair. And it's oh, just yeah, fucking yeah. hilarious. It is so funny. And it's like, and that door there is for my cat, Mittens. <laughs> just the way, like, you I know this it. is completely off topic, but just to sound smart here, I believe what he says is something along the lines of, your life is the sum of a remainder of an unbalanced equation inherent to the programming of the Matrix. You are the eventuality of an anomaly, which despite my sincere oh efforts, God. I've been able to eliminate from what is an otherwise a harmony of mathematical precision. <sighs> Oh, my head just exploded. Um, well, it remains burdened to sedulously avoid it. It is not unexpected. <laughs> not beyond a measure of control, which has led you in exploring here. You know the one good thing about watching Swept Away? Shut uh, up. <laughs> <laughs> is the fact that Madonna's so dumb that she just doesn't know how to say things like that. So you can just get two hours of her moaning. <laughs> so... <laughs> Sign me up for like, Swept Away. Uh, having said that, they, I actually do like the Matrix sequels. Uh, <laughs> I Aunt think May, I just lost our audience. <laughs> I was going to say, like, Aunt May waking up from her dream. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're, we're definitely alienating different a lot of our listeners on the Oz Network, you know, with the following lines. <laughs> we like the Star Wars prequels. Batman and Robin <laughs> actually is kind of okay. And I like the Matrix sequels. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, okay, let's move on before we lose everybody else. Spider-Man. <laughs> Spider-Man 2. <laughs> so basically, he's wanting to build a perpetual sun that will provide energy for the entire world. Um, and he's talking about the consequences and blah, 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 blah. Um, and basically, we're now at the dinner table and we meet his lovely wife, who she has been in stuff too, hasn't she? Um, yeah, is, another one where I've seen her in a million things. What were they? Rosalie Octavia. I mean, this is. Yeah, I think this is basically the movie of. Hey, I know that person. <laughs> um, just if I look her up right now, she's more of a stage actress, but she's been in lots the of Born things. Legacy, Star Trek, Trek Insurrection. Oh, the Nanny Diaries. Nanny Diaries. <laughs> no pay nudity. Ah. Oh. Uh. Quantico. <laughs> Yep, anyway, uh, but uh, so we have this dinner scene where not only were we outsmarting each other before, now we're out-referencing each other of, oh, did Beethoven sleep before he wrote his symphony? Oh, did he do oh. this? Did he do that? Like, what is this? Like a rap battle of who can come up with the best analysis? Like, what the hell? <laughs> but my favourite bit of this whole dinner scene is like when, when his wife is like, come on, Peter, tell us about yourself. Do you have a girlfriend? <laughs> like, is she hitting on him too? <laughs> that's mj's mum <laughs> but why is that a thing why is that important like why is it the first go this is like this super smart kid who's just basically going toe to toe with her husband about how smart he is and the first thing she's doing is thinking with her dick like that's a guy thing to do um and doing it right in front of her husband too yeah. who is she mj do you have a boyfriend, Peter? Hmm. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, it's, it's kind of interesting, just this whole little live thing there when, you know, he's like, he says, oh, I don't know if I have a girlfriend. Peter, you don't have a girlfriend, okay? <laughs> like, yeah. you rejected her. I guess it is MJ. Every guy in New York assumes they're going out with her. Um, <laughs> but then, like, we get this whole weird sort of thing about the love that they have for each other. You know, it's sweet, I guess. We've got to get this background story. They love each other so much. They're married. Uh, about this story about how they met each other and the theory of relativity and T.S. Eliot. 
Um, oh. There's a movie I want to see. Um, <laughs> anyway, so kind of in there, we see, you know, basically he says poetry. Poetry will, you know, win her over. I, I never understand this next sequence because he's in the laundromat. It's a great scene, laundromat. He's washing his spider suit. That's funny. Why does he go and get poetry books to try and impress MJ? MJ wants you, Peter. You don't yeah, need exactly. to impress her. Like, what? Are you, why? What is the purpose of that? It's yeah. Ugh. It doesn't make any sense. Again, it's MJ. You know, you've always you're insecure with her because you know this week she wants you. Next week she wants astronaut who plays football on the moon. Um, <laughs> but. Um, yeah, so he's washing his suit. I do like that scene in the laundromat. Uh, and then basically from this point on, he's going to go see MJ in the play. Um, so he's got his suit on. He's got the tickets. We've got some weird photos of MJ on the mirror. Because, <laughs> you know, they're best friends. Clearly they went to a photo booth at some point that we didn't see. Um, and, yeah, so he's on his way to the play. MJ's all nervous and jittery. It's the importance of being earnest. What a great play that is. Um <laughs> I've never seen it in my life. But it's fucking boring. They did make a movie out of it. I know. Yeah, I, I, I think my mum was into it. I, it just looks, it looks shit. Um, <laughs> he's googling right now, Colin. He's like, "What is this about?" Yeah, I'm trying to find the movie. I'm like, "Can we, can we do any Six Degrees here of the movie in Spider Man?" Um, so then he, I like it when he buys the flowers, and then like he just gets like one flower after like you know hiding the whole bunch. And then, yeah, he flips his bike after getting run over, and he says to those kids, like, uh, wow, how did you do that? Uh, uh, eat your green vegetables. <laughs> My mom always says that, and I never believed her. I never believed her. <laughs> um, oh, right up there with the pizza guy is one of my favorites in the movie. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's so funny. Uh, then, basically, he gets these guys who are just driving around New York shooting at the cops. And, again, let's just point out, the NYPD suck in Spider-Man. The trilogy, at least this one. Can't remember too much in The Amazing Spider-Man. I guess we get more of a, a storyline around the NYPD in that. Uh, so he saves the people. Great. Um, then he makes it to the uh, the play at this point. Uh, and I've written here, uh, she's talking about a man. Of course she is <laughs> in the play. <laughs> what else would she be doing? I love it when he rocks up in the car. You, you park that here, I'm towing it. And he's just like, Whatever. Whatever. And then, of course, we get to uh, meet uh, the wrestling announcer from the first film. Uh, Bruce <laughs> Campbell is back, uh, but he's the usher right now. Uh, a douchey usher, but a great usher. <laughs> you know, like, uh, shoes, uh, can I help you, sir? <laughs> it's so good. Um, <laughs> basically, he can't get into the play because you can't get seated after the performance starts. It, you know, maintains the illusion and um, basically, so we can't make it in. MJ's sad. She sees an empty seat because, you know, I'm sure that's the only empty seat in that fucking play because it's so boring. So you automatically assume it's Peter. Um, and then we see Peter waiting out the front, waiting for MJ. And, you know, she's out the front. She's waiting. You know, the woman, her co-worker comes up. Oh, she don't want to come up drinks with whatever. And then all of a sudden you hear the words, excuse me, miss, can I have an autograph? She turns around and kisses this man and walks off. Now, I'm saying this right now, Colin Hilding. That is not her future fiancé. That is just a random fan. She's just picked up. I'm, no, I'm saying that's the first time they've ever met. <laughs> that too. <laughs> the usher did the same thing earlier. <laughs> um, yeah, so I guess okay, we'll cap it at the bit here where he's, uh, you know, he's he's sad looking, he's watching, and 
you know, he has to go off because he hears police sirens. MJ gets a bit of an inkling, turns around and looks. Oh, my God, who was that? Another man who wants to fuck me. Um, and then he runs, opens the shirt, Superman style, uh, chasing after the police. But then all of a sudden, he runs out of web. He falls down, somehow survives that fall. Um, run out of jizz web. He's um, basically on top of the roof, gets dizzy, ends up in an elevator with one of the greatest scenes ever in Spider-Man in the elevator with uh, yes. uh, another actor who's been in everything. Uh, this probably is going to sound a really way- weird way for me to say what I know him from. I know him from Queer as Folk, uh, House Parks. <laughs> I know you would. <laughs> I, I, I will say I didn't watch it, but I'd seen bits of it. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> Just this whole sequence is amazing in the elevator. Just you know, just oh, cool Spidey suit. Which oh, I made it. Oh, looks like it, uh, it's quite uncomfortable. <laughs> you know, itches a lot and rides up the crotch a lot. <laughs> like what? <laughs> so random. Um, and then we get a, a shot of him walking past a bunch of posters, uh, and then it weirdly fades out to black. Uh, so anyway, I've covered a lot again. I'm covering a I'll whole try bunch. To yeah. All <laughs> right. Forget, so we just, just asked me. I remember four, where I started. <laughs> yeah, it's 45 minutes of the movie. Um, <laughs> not much to say on the soap opera backyard scene. It's exactly the same as the first one, except the only part in this movie that is actually worse than the first uh, when you take the dialogue into account. Um, what followed after that? <laughs> I already lost track. Uh, rent? <laughs> Rent, was he in there? Uh, yeah, that was the whole sequence after that in the apartment, Rent, and uh, the sexy yeah. daughter. Yeah. Um, the the Octavia scene, uh, if there's one scene in the movie I'm not that crazy about, it is that scene, and I think that's partly because I prefer crazy Doc Ock, and this is, it may not have bothered me as much had I not seen Spider-Man 3 after this. You know, I could have just gone on and lived a happy life believing this was like the greatest superhero movie ever until Spider-Man 3 came out and then made me realize a flaw with this, which is that same Sam Raimi has this tendency to try to make the the villains overly sympathetic. And I think there's a little bit too much of him being like this great husband and, oh, look at him and his wife, Milfy Octavius or whatever her name is. And... <laughs> They're so flirty, and they talk about poetry, and they, they take in this young young man. Um, <laughs> but it's just the, the conversation, the, the, the sum of the anomaly conversation or whatever. It's just a little bit too... <laughs> it's just a little bit too nice for me, and I, I, I understand, you know, the villain has to have something that drives them crazy, I think it's just a bit too much of an extreme when I watch this. I-, I love crazy Octavius. Nice guy Octavius here is maybe a little bit too nice for me. Um, but there are some fun ones, like the-, the thing about, you know, Bud Oscorp pays the bills. And I like how, you know, later on in the other scene, we have Harry using the same line. You just know this exactly how their relationship is. It's just always like, oh, Harry, I really don't want to. Hey, who pays the bills? All right, you pay the bills. I do it. <laughs> um, yeah, the-, the getting ready to go out scene. I love that he blamed this on a disturbance, okay? Because we're cutting back and forth between him buying the flowers, him riding his little scooter, and them saying, hey, it's three minutes to curtain. And he's still on the scooter. I'm sorry. Even if there was no disturbance, Peter still misses this, and he had no excuse. So this is where I have a bit of a turnaround, where in the first one, I'm like, MJ really is the world's worst girlfriend. And she kind of is the world's worst fiance still here in this movie. Oh, condom. But... but <laughs> I would have gone out of my way and say, I understand why Harry and MJ have a grudge against Peter in this. He is kind of the world's worst friend here. He, we established at the beginning of the movie that he doesn't return Harry's phone calls. 
He's never even bothered to see MJ. He's back and forth with his entire movie. It's like, uh, oh, I'm sorry we can't be together. Oh, that's okay, because I got a boyfriend. Oh, you got a boyfriend? Uh, hey, want to hook up? And then she's like, hey, okay, I'm ready to hook up with you now. Oh, no, I don't really love you. I'm sorry. He's just a terrible person, her. And he's going to miss the play, not because he's wow. Spider-Man he's done by. He's like three minutes to curtain and still on a scooter before anything comes up. Wow. So, yeah. Peter, you're not getting much sympathy from me in this movie. Oh, but I still... look, I... Oh, yeah, sorry, you can't go on. You, yeah, poor Peter. <laughs> this is going to be the reverse of the last movie where you're like... Really poor hard. Peter. You were so hard on MJ, and I'm like, you're being really mean to her. Yeah, this is a right? He's... I'm like, screw MJ. She, <laughs> she doesn't deserve him. I want Everyone you, but... Everyone does screw this, MJ. Uh. <laughs> by the end of this, though, I want you to be like, Peter is kind of a dick. But he's um, not... He's not... Oh, no, sorry, just don't get me started. You, you haven't finished... <laughs> <laughs> but I love the sequence. Uh, I love the, the spider web catching the car. Again, one of those visual yeah. things that Sam Raimi did so good in this movie. Uh, the flip with the kids. That's what my mom always said. I just never <laughs> believed her. Oh, I love that kid. I want to find out who that kid is and what he's done. Uh, but yeah, the, the, the Bruce Campbell scene. I think we need to do something here. We need to pick our favorite Bruce Campbell character. Uh, at this point, French I'm... One. <laughs> you know, I'm picking this one at least over the wrestling announcer the first time. I mean, everything he does here is so funny, like you said, with the shoes and just the line he has where it's like, uh, I'm a friend of Miss Watson. She asked me to come, he's like, but not to come late. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, we're, we're going to, I guess, get introduced to him. We'll, we'll introduce him in a later movie. Uh, the real hero of this, just like Harry was the real hero of the first one, John James, and we'll get to him later on, but... Uh, yeah, like everything they've done in the movie here, even some of these sappy scenes, it's fun. And, you know, we had the Tobey Maguire taking his shirt off just to remind people, hey, he's not that skinny kid, kid from Pleasantville if you forgot the first movie. <laughs> that, that was, I think, the first shot of the, the, the trailer that I watched a million times too, which is not the reason I watched it a million times. But <laughs> was that the reason why I did. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Toby. They aired that during every commercial break, a queer as folk coincidence. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> They're like, check out Toby Maguire ripping his shirt open. Mm. But I think because I've seen that trailer so many times, like, I can't even tell you how many times I watched that trailer. I have old VHSs of the Atlanta, uh, or not Atlanta, the Athens Olympics. You know, for off the podium, we talk about we have all of our old Olympic collections. And it's weird because I will always cut out commercials and then you'll see a random spider-man 2 commercial in the middle of it <laughs> so it's called canada that... spider-man 2 coming soon yeah exactly so yeah i remember every shot from the trailer and that's of course one of the most memorable ones Tommy mcguire with the shirt off uh let's move on this is sounding creepier than me with the people burning on fire <laughs> uh do you want to mention anything about the uh, the elevator guy or not really or oh, that was my alternate line from the beginning it's like uh it kind of rides up in the crotch a little um <laughs> I wonder why he wears this suit. Like, he said, oh, I made it. Like, is is it easier to do this than to wear the wrestling outfit, the sweatpants and all that? I mean, nobody's going to recognize you one way or the other. I can't imagine fighting crime being itchy and having, like, crotch chafe. You know, <laughs> I ran a half marathon yesterday. I'm very familiar with how uncomfortable it is to be physical and have crotch chafing. Um, I feel for Peter in this scene. Put on the pajamas again. Like, you don't need this this type of drama in your life. Um, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're like, 
I didn't think we'd be getting on a crotch chafing this early. <laughs> my, my question is, why does he mention it at all? Is he trying to be a douche to this guy with the dog? Because he's like, just having a pleasant conversation. And I always feel like Peter just goes a bit douchey at that point. You know, all he said was like, it looks uncomfortable. It's not like, oh, you look like a fucking dickhead. It's like... <laughs> I interpret it differently. I just see it as like a friendly conversation. Like, and that was another one of those moments where people just laugh before uh, the other guy even opened his mouth. Just seeing him in the elevator and this guy opens... And then you think to yourself, this is one of those New York things again. You think to yourself, he's going to be like, it's Spider-Man. Instead, he's like, hey, cool Spider-Man outfit. Yeah. He's like, oh, thanks. I made it. Um, <laughs> it's <was> like, comfortable. <laughs> going back to the kids, uh, one is called Rashawn Fagan. Uh, and I can tell you he has been in such epic things as uh, Greenleaf, uh, Camp Rock and Camp Rock 2, The Final Jam. Uh, he was in a, looks like a Nickelodeon show called Shake It Up. Uh, <laughs> oh, the great Shake It Up. He was also in Drill Bit Taylor, where he played Random Kid. Uh, <laughs> this is um, actually his very first role. His very first role was Spider-Man 2 as Amazed Kid. The other one, though, I actually did, re- seriously, not even just saying this, um, recognize one of the kids because he was in Third Watch. He played a character called Miguel over three episodes in Third Watch. So, uh, Can we get I, him on? Yeah, well... We might. Um, and he's also in Charlie's Angels Full Throttle as a bus stop kid. <laughs> so. uh, I just want to say really quickly, you know, we're looking for, oh, who was this person? Uh, when I'm looking through these, I did not expect to see this one. Sam Raimi makes a cameo in this movie as university student. <laughs> Who's the old guy in the university that we miss? Like, Sam Raimi's like 80 years old. Like, how is he the you university jerk? <laughs> yeah, he's the watching jerk guy. Maybe, well, maybe. That's the most, like, he's like, I want to make a cameo in the movie. It's like, okay, well, sorry. The only roles we have left is little boy uh, <laughs> eating the vegetables, um, <laughs> the female onlooker on street, <laughs> and university student. I'll take the university student. Thanks. <laughs> Very closely nearly took the uh, female onlooker on street. <laughs> but just yeah. got... Just got <laughs> there's actually one thing I want to notice. You mentioned the spiderweb thing with the car... The spiderweb uh, scene with the car. Uh, I Yeah, that... You know, can I just say, those people are way too casual for a car about to crush them. There's like t- 10 people there that are literally about to die. Yeah. They're it's way New too York. casual. We've gone through this. It's New York. <laughs> ah, we're just going to get crushed by a car. Whatever. It's Tuesday. Um, so I just want to point out, uh, maybe we'll talk about this more when we cross through with Peter here. Like, no, I, I just couldn't disagree with him anymore. Uh, he's just, I feel bad for him. Like he's on the cusp of turning evil in this movie because everyone's an asshole to Peter. Like, mm. you know, it's not like everyone's an asshole to MJ. She brings all that on herself. Like, yeah, okay. <laughs> he's, I guess the problem I have with Peter is maybe, you know, with the pizza thing and the whole, yeah, you're right, he's not going to make the curtain, but he should maybe just be Spider-Man more often. Um, mm-hmm. But no, poor Peter. Hashtag poor Peter. I will sell you on this by the end. No, I don't agree. I, I know I sold you on MJ, but that's because she's genuinely a horrible person. Um, and she becomes <laughs> more of one in this film, let's be honest. Um, so, okay, so we've, uh, one thing I've noticed in this, actually on this rewatch, is I guess you notice things when you're really paying attention to things to write notes to try and be funny in a podcast episode. Um, but, and trying being the operative word, but there's, there's lots of weird fade outs in this movie and like weird sort of transitions. Like, you know, when he's walking along the posters and you go fade to black. I mean, I guess it kind of works there, but there's definitely some other scenes where it just feels like the, the transitioning between scenes and the cuts just don't work. 
and I don't know if they were trying something different or I don't know if you sort of ever pay attention to something like that. I don't know. There was just things in this film to me that just kind of really stood out on this on this watch for me. Yeah, um, no, I didn't notice any of that. Uh, <laughs> maybe maybe you'd have to point it out to me later on. Possibly. Uh, hopefully I've written down that appropriately at some point. Anyway, so he's on the... <laughs> He's on the payphone. Remember them? They don't have cell phones in 2004, <laughs> apparently. Um, and he rings up. He's on the phone to her for like a minute before some reason he gets cut off. If you want to talk for another five minutes, insert 15 cents. A poor Peter doesn't even have 15 cents. How can you be mean on the kid? He doesn't have 15 cents to call back with five more minutes. Fuck you, Colin Hilding. Um, you know, had Aunt May given him $20.15, he wouldn't be in this mess. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Fuck you, Aunt May. Um <laughs> But so basically, he's, he's ringing up MJ, you know, you don't know how complicated it can be there being at eight. Um, you know, he's trying to, you know, tell it, and MJ sort of walks in appropriately at the right time when he's talking on the message bank. Remember them, message banks. Um, and, you know, it looks like she's kind of been sold, but then all of a sudden he gets cut off. This is where MJ's a bitch. Like, you can't blame this on Peter at this point. You know, MJ's all like, oh, oh, maybe I'm being sold around. Oh, he got cut off. He could have, like, been murdered. There could have been, like, a terrorist attack or something. Why does she automatically go, oh, Fucking Peter just gets disconnected. Can't afford 15 cents. Like, fuck you, MJ. You've got a boyfriend at that point, remember? Like, you don't always have a one. A rich boyfriend. He's played football on the moon. I'll marry him. Like, we'll get to him. <laughs> Seriously, that guy is the most robbed character in all of these Spider-Man movies. Um, but yeah, so we just get that scene, and he kind of, as he gets cut off, he's like, oh, I'm Spider-Man, you know. Oh, he really wants to tell her. But um, imagine, imagine if she was, like, on the phone. Petey didn't actually really get cut off. Uh, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> I knew it. I love him too. Wow, I could have two of my men at once. <laughs> then we get the, uh, basically the sequence where we're about to get our villain. Now, there's a few things in this that I need to nitpick. Uh, it's a great scene. I'm not saying it's a terrible scene. It's a great scene. Um, but first of all, the the what is the point of his terrible dad joke? Uh, has anyone lost a pile of money wrapped in rubber bands? We found the rubber bands, and you just get this yeah. really subtle. Oh, like it makes no sense. Like, yeah. it's is- it's kind of one of those awkward moments. And um, I mean, I said that you know I'm not as big of a fan of how much they made him like a likable guy, and this is one of those moments. I I think. I would have liked the, him to have made kind of maybe an inappropriate joke or something like that here, and that that kind of gets a scatter. Like, uh, 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 do you want to you know? quickly talk about Alfred Molina in any of this? Because I guess we talked a bit about Willem Dafoe. I mean, I like Alfred Molina. I think he fits his character really well. I I never really get the whole like interesting. You say about the likable likability. I kind of just see him as a real arrogant bit of douche that I guess they kind of have to put a bit of likability on him. But um, you know, I kind of think the differences with. Him and, and Norman Willem Dafoe is, I guess, Norman kind of panics, doesn't he? And I guess sort of just has to do this to, you know, so he doesn't lose his funding. Whereas more so on this, it's just kind of his, would you say, arrogance that kind of leads to him ultimately becoming Doc Ock. I mean, it's it's kind of interesting to compare the two. But, I mean, I don't know if this is the right time to kind of just get a bit of a talk on, on Mr. Molina. Yeah, um he he was kind of one of those interesting casting choices where, like, when Willem Dafoe was cast, people were like, well, that makes total sense. When Alfred Molina was cast, people were like, well, that, I guess it makes sense, but that's <laughs> not what I expected, you know? Um, he does a really good job in this movie, especially as 
the really arrogant Doc Ock later on, the villain Doc Ock. And I'm not going to say he does a bad job here with the sympathetic Otto Octavius. He does a really good job. And uh, it's more just the fact that they felt that the character needed this, that I feel like it maybe um, waters him down a little bit. But in some ways, I think I prefer Alfred Molina to Willem Dafoe, just that <gasps> Willem Dafoe was... Well, Willem Dafoe was so good as the over-the-top Green Goblin, and you just didn't care about him as much as uh, Norman Osborn. You, I, I guess this, I'm going to sound like I'm completely contradicting myself. You didn't feel any sympathy for him. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas you feel sympathy for Alfred Molina. I, I'm, I'm not backtracking and saying, well, I guess now we needed him to be sympathetic in these scenes. It's more just Alfred Molina, Molina his demeanor. I think you could have gone through this entire movie, had him be more of an arrogant scientist here, uh, maybe have him not even be so close with his wife. And then it was sort of like the guilt afterwards of, uh, oh, well, what I did cost my wife her life. You know, I'm going to finish this and do it right. And then he has that one great moment where he turns at the end instead of it, it just it seemed way too drastic for me in this movie. But he's a great actor and, you know, he's great in pretty much everything he's in. Mm. Uh, and I love that they went the route with this. And I, I'm, I know I criticize Spider-Man 3 a lot, but I love they went the route even in Spider-Man 3 of casting unlikely people as the villains. Mm. Yeah, I agree with something he said. I, I like him. Uh, but yeah, it's... Um... It's interesting. I'll take Willem. Team Willem. Um, just I, I agree with you, but I, I, there are some things that Melina's a little bit better at. There's so many things, though, in this bit that I just don't get. Uh, can I just point out, we get random Daniel Day Kim. He's just randomly one of the yeah. uh, the lab assistants. It's like, <laughs> hi, Daniel Day Kim. What are you doing here? Um, but... I don't even know how many times I saw this movie and never noticed that. And I believe the first time I ever noticed was last night when I'm like, <laughs> what is Jin doing standing next to Milky? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love Daniel Day Kim. Let's just be honest. He is awesome. Yeah, Jin, of course, from Lost. He was, uh, who was he in 24? He's in season two, I think. He's random CTU agent for at least two or three episodes. Um, I don't remember. No, yeah, he, okay. he definitely he was in, was in 24 for like a real little amount of time. And now, is he Hawaii Five O now? Is he still in that? Yeah, the new yep. Hawaii Five O. yeah. Yep, there you go. Um very attractive man, Daniel Day. I'm really sounding like I'm into Queer as Folk too much. <laughs> uh, I literally only watched like one funny. episode of that show. I really did. Uh, <laughs> but, wow. Um, and we haven't even got to the astronaut yet. Shit. Um, <laughs> back to the back to the daughter, the, uh, the, the, yeah. the anorexic girl, Milfy Octavius. But, um, okay, so my, my point to this bit. So clearly he's about to show the world's media this, you know, great fusion thing. Yay, we're going to have a second son, all this sort of stuff. Okay, big deal. First of all, there's hardly any media for something as big a deal as this. Can I just point that out? Just <laughs> the journalist insight. <laughs> there should be more people there for something this big. And for something that is an untested scientific <laughs> practice that is basically a harnessing, like, nuclear power, the equivalent of nuclear power. Why are they doing it in, like, a loft in some yeah. dingy apartment? Like, shouldn't this be in some underground bunker where there's not going to cause any harm? And can we just point out, he just so casually brushes over two other things that should be bigger news in itself. 
Oh, I've just created these metal arms that confuse into my yeah. vertebrae and I can control with my brain. Oh, and I've also created this chip that basically could control me, but I've made it so it doesn't control me. But let's just forget about those and move on to the sun. This like- ball of energy that nobody knows what it is. It could just be like a visual effect for all we know. How important and cool are the fact that you created arms that you can control with your vertebrae. <laughs> like, that is a big fucking deal. But eh, it's yeah. fine. We'll get to that later. <laughs> yeah. Um, and anyway, so basically, uh, we, learn, we hear about tritium. Uh, there's only 25 pounds of this on the entire planet. But uh, Oscorp Industries has provided with a tiny amount because he needs it to help... Uh, you know, create the fusion ball. Um, then we get the uh, great little one-liner. Of course, you've always got to have a one-liner before, you know, they do something that is about to turn them evil. This time it's, ladies and gentlemen, fasten your seatbelts. Uh, yeah. And then, of course, it turns into the power of sun in the palm of my hand. Um, and then Which it gets start- repeated maybe one too many times throughout the course yeah, of Yeah, do this. you feel that this was this movie's with great power <laughs> comes great responsibility yeah. but failed a little bit? Uh, yeah. But then, of course, things start to go a little bit haywire. It gets a bit magnetic. You know, keep calm. It will stabilize. And bam, bam, bam. Caution overload. Everything's going on here. Uh, you know, and then Peter has to quickly run away, turn into Spider-Man uh, before, you know, he saves Harry's life. This doesn't change anything. Um, you, know, you still raped my father. Um, <laughs> <laughs> stop making rape jokes, Ben. Uh, <laughs> you got to stop watching Queer as Folk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we get the great scene of him trying to pull the plugs out of the wall. I mean, why, why, does, why does he sneak up in the first, like, he spins in, goes up on the wall... And it's kind of like, Spider-Man's here. Like, why doesn't he just... <laughs> Did he say it like that? <laughs> what he said, Spider-Man's I'm clear as fuck. Spins a web Spider-Man. Anyway. Uh, why doesn't he just come in and pull the plug? <laughs> like, you know. Uh, Spider-Man's a dramatic bitch. Um... But through all of this, you know, uh, uh, we can't call him Doc Ock, Ed. He's not Doc Ock. Well, he's... Fuck it, he's Doc Ock. Uh, he's got four mechanical arms on him. Uh, Slap Spider-Man out of the way. Still wants to keep going. You know, he's not letting this, uh, you know, get the plug pulled because, you know, he wants this to work. Uh, but Spider-Man eventually pulls the plug. And meanwhile, while all this magnetic stuff's going on around him, look out uh, Milfie Octavius because you're about to get <laughs> chopped into tiny little pieces with all this glass coming towards you. Having said that, no, you don't get chopped into pieces because miraculously your body's in pretty good condition five seconds later when we see it being rolled into a body bag. You just had glass sliced you were like a, you to sushi and somehow she's like in one piece? Like what the hell? Uh, <laughs> But um, I, I do have a theory on that. Just remind me if I forget to update okay. you on that. All right, I will remind you. Um, we why isn't and also why isn't Spider-Man getting electrocuted as he's pulling all those plugs out of the wall? <laughs> uh, I do like. I'll, I'll cap it here. I guess we can talk about this, but I, I like it when we're outside and we yeah we're seeing Milfy Octavius in perfect condition. But um, maybe they just glued it back together. I don't know. Um, but I love, <laughs> like every time I see this scene, I kind of think to myself, God, it's like it's really overacting it's it's poor but i kind of i liken it to kind of what you were talking about in the first movie about how you know we get the over the top we'll meet again spider-man yeah. like it just it just feels very like you know that style of comic book the way like he's like i'm ruined i have nothing left and then you oh, know, like, i love that the guy's like he saved your life 
he humiliated me by touching me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then we obviously get, uh, you know, the way Peter kind of just comes out and looks around. But uh, I'll cap it there before we get to the hospital scene. Uh, a bit of stuff to talk about there, and I want to hear your theory. Uh, well, we'll kind of have to. You want to just do the hospital scene because oh, my okay. theory kind of goes together with this. All right. Well, cool. Next minute, we're in the hospital. Uh, <laughs> molten, molten, <laughs> that was quick. molten metal has apparently infused his vertebrae as it does. Uh, they need to do a laminectomy. Is that a real thing, or is that just talked in the Matrix Reloaded? You've got the script there in front of you. Uh, <laughs> we get the really cheesy line of. Anybody here take shop class? <laughs> like at least he wasn't jokes. like. Did anybody lose a rubber band? <laughs> <laughs> to me, to me, that reminds me of this is a really obscure reference of World is Not Enough, Doctor Christmas Jones. Just don't, don't hang up, don't, uh-huh. <laughs> just don't lose me here, <laughs> and don't tell me any jokes. I've heard them all before. I don't know any doctor jokes. If this is a doctor joke, I don't want to hear them. <laughs> um, but okay, in all seriousness, this scene is pretty brutal. Like we talked over oh, yeah. the the scene at the end of the first one, where you know. Peter and, and the Green Goblin are just getting the shit beat out of each other. But this one, this is like out of a horror movie. All of a sudden, uh, Doc Ock wakes up, his arms take control of everyone. He's ripping everyone into bits. We've got the woman on the ground, like, so terrified that she's digging her nails into, like, concrete. Um, and then everybody's getting ripped up. There's chainsaws and just, oh, it's 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 very brutal. And it's all closed out with uh, the best Doc Ock impersonation of Darth Vader at the end. No! <laughs> Although we should say this came out a year before Revenge One of the Sith. One year earlier, yeah. So maybe Revenge of the Sith took this from uh, some Spider-Man. No! So, okay, there we go. Uh, and he walks outside, flips a taxi, and does a runner. There we go. <laughs> okay, so, I mean, I'll kind of just group it in together i'll go backwards here um i think exactly for what you said about how brutal that operating room scene is i think that's the reason why the violence in some of the other scenes is really toned down it might have been something with the ratings because i remember seeing that on opening night and being almost uncomfortable at that operating scene and it was great but it is so gruesome so violent that i honestly believe especially when you have like the the, the claw clawing through concrete mm. you know as, as the claws are uh, or the the tentacles are dragging that one um nurse or doctor or whatever away uh maybe because of that they had to cut certain things down because you know with this great sam raimi visual style the comic stuff with the glass coming towards milfy that it was probably supposed to be a very violent death and then afterwards, maybe they, it was, we always see these stories about, oh, they gave us an R rating because of, you know, 10 seconds of blood in a movie. So we had to cut that out. And I, I almost feel like that's the reason why they're like, this operating scene is so brutal. And he kind of picked, well, which one is more effective? And it, it's really a two part Doc Ock transformation. You have, you know, him as Otto Octavius with the, the tentacles and then losing control of the tritium and everything. And then later on with uh, the the operating room scene where the tentacles really take control. He does nothing. It's all the tentacles. Um, it, I'm guessing it was some type of a trade-off with the two. But I also like, and I, I picked up on this the first time. Now, Sam Raimi is most well-known outside of the Spider-Man movies for doing the Evil Dead trilogy, uh, which I'm not a big fan of. Uh, I've seen the movies uh to be honest i don't really get the hype about them but i do remember when i saw this that the way it was shooting from the point of view of the tentacle and just how brutal it was i felt like that was sam raimi kind of paying tribute to his evil dead movies it feels very much like robotic evil dead to me so that's the way i always took away from that scene 
Uh, okay, cool. Um, didn't want to mention anything about the whole, you know, turning into Doc Hawk situation with the tritium and sun and shit or nothing to add there? Well, I mean, I, I kind of said that that line gets overused a little yeah. too much. You know, the power of the sun, the palm of my hand. Um, I, I like the, the experiment. I feel like it's a little bit more dramatic and bigger overall. This is one of the areas where I do like Doc Ock and Alfred Molina better. I feel like his transition was more natural, whereas with Norman Osborn, it was just sort of like, oh, he took some gas, kind of had a seizure, you know, foamed at the mouth, and then all of a sudden he's hissing, you know, like an animal. Uh, we get a little bit more of a transition, which is why I like these two scenes together. Uh, and I, I don't mind the whole, you know, um, uh, sympathetic thing. When we get the transition here, though, I mean, you kind of have to agree with me. It is very drastic how crazy he becomes so quickly compared to what we see with Norman, where Norman's almost fighting it the whole time. It's like he doesn't fight it, and then he becomes the one that redeems himself in the end, it is, I, I still think it's a little bit weird. Alrighty. Well, uh, we've had uh, the pretty horrific scene and Darth Vader and all that sort of stuff. And what's the best way to follow that up with? With a Jonah scene! Yay! We're back uh, with everybody's favorite. Wait, wait, wait. With, with a what scene? Jonah, Jamison. Oh, I totally heard you say something Jaina there. <laughs> That's exactly with a vagina like, scene! <laughs> What did I miss here? MJ's on the scene. Uh. There is, um, I don't know if you ever saw it. I did see it once, but my Blu-ray has also Spider-Man 2.5 or 1, 2.5 or whatever they call it, which is the director's cut with deleted scenes. And I thought maybe I was missing something in there. <laughs> no, no, this is, uh, yeah. Uh, maybe I was watching the um, the porn parody or something like that that just got mixed <laughs> in with it. I, I don't know. Sorry, Elizabeth Banks and Seth Rogen. Yeah. <laughs> This ain't Spider-Man, as they often call them, <laughs> oh, so I've heard. Uh, so, <laughs> we we get uh, basically J- J- Jonah Jameson, whatever. I just call him J.K. Simmons. Um, <laughs> that that too. He's uh, basically coming up with a name for Doc Ock, although... What's what's his assistant's name? The... the um, you know. I don't remember his name. I know that he's Sam Raimi's brother in real life. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, uh, there you go. But he comes up with all the names, you know, Doc Ock, Doc Octopus, and he's like, oh, Doc Ock, oh, I like it. But the line, that, of course, is great. Uh, Doctor Strange, good, taken. But taken. <laughs> yeah. um, and then what does he say? Like, I heard Spider-Man was there or something along those lines. Um, so then he calls in Peter. He wants to be a society photographer because his other society photographer got hit in the head with a hollow ball uh like <laughs> you could be there my son the astronaut uh <laughs> which, you know i love how he's so proud of his son the way he says it like you know i just love his face again like as you said his facial expressions it is so good but we get like this is this is now turned into a well-known meme uh the scene when he says oh i was wondering if i could get a raise and he just full-on laughs <laughs>, <laughs>, <laughs> <laughs> and again, that is a meme. There is a meme that goes out there that is just, it's been around for ages now. Um, but uh, what does he say? Like, no. And then like, there's the door. <laughs> just, uh, look, I just I just feel like I need to stop this separately because we need to keep I think, the, the Jamison scene separately if you wanted to add anything on this. I just was looking through my notes and I noticed we forgot one of my favorite subtle funny moments that Sam Raimi's so good at here. Uh, when he's washing the Spider-Man outfit in the laundromat and he takes it out and everything's pink. <laughs> uh, yes, yes. <laughs> uh, just go back to that for a second. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, the J- every J. Jonah Jameson scene is great. Uh, are we going to cover the actual function after this? 
Uh, yeah, yeah, um, sure. Just uh, jump into it. Well, uh, we're kind of that's skipping ahead a bit, isn't it? We've got we've got to. Oh, have... I don't remember. Yeah, it is. you're skipping well ahead because we're going to have the uh, the bank scene yet, and. Uh... Oh, that's right. Yeah, the bank yeah. scene. Okay, well, yeah. let's cover the bank scene too while we're at it because I I don't have much else to say other than. James oh, okay, I just awesome. wanted to keep Jamison separate because I didn't know if you had anything to add. So that's why yeah. I thought I would I would take that a chance to give you any viewpoint on it. But if you don't, cool, we'll move ahead. Um, I mean, we kind of a lot of the Doc Ock, the you know auto scenes, really from here on in between other bits, they're just kind of throwaway little sections, aren't they? Like, they're only just very brief. So, you know, he's mm-hmm. he's found himself a, a, a weird wharf dock thing, which is like a crumbling little, you know, it's his hideout, essentially. Um, you know, he's talking about Rosie being... Basically, we get a lot of this, don't we, of these villains in these movies talking to themselves. Um, well, you know... that uh, I'll touch on that really quickly here for two things. One... I made a note later on that it was amazing how great Doc Ock is as a villain, considering the majority of his scenes are only 15 seconds long of him working in a warehouse. Mm. And that's really all we see of him other than a few action scenes. And he's so good as a villain. Uh, The second part being like the talking themselves. And that's something I made a note of that uh, Peter does in this movie a lot. And this is something where I think they took the whole being a very live action comic book literal uh, like they did in the first one with a lot of things, they they took it to a different level on this one because in comic book people people are always talking to themselves or thinking to themselves, and we get that a lot with Peter and with Doc Ock in this. That's a good call. Didn't think about it that way. Well done, Colin Hilding. Um, we, we sort of in this. He, he's talking about the fact that they need money. They want to rebuild. Uh, you know, because I mean, we should really point out the arms have obviously taken over him because he's lost his inhibitor chip. Ooh. Um, mm. Or enabled chip. What the fuck it's called? Um, and then he's basically <laughs> talking about they need money. You know, oh, I can't steal that. I'm not a criminal. The real crime would be not to finish what we started. Ooh. Um, but then we get your favourite, aren't they? Maybe is this your favourite scene when they're in the bank? And no, no, not this one. I, I kind of like this scene. It's funny when they're trying to obviously get a loan, you know, to help pay off the house and you go, douchey bank manager guy who's basically you know there we went away she's like oh but i've started taking piano lessons again have you kicked the bank manager <laughs> and the way just his reaction how he's like ow oh my god ow <laughs> like, i just love how he reacts and then the way she's like oh well at least we get the toaster oh no you need a 300 dollars deposit oh what, yeah. what is this like i've seen this at like movies and tv shows in america i don't know if it's a canadian thing too but like i think it was about bowling for columbine where you opened a bank account and you got a gun like what is it with banks in america where you have to like your incentive is to get something for opening an account like yeah. who wants a toast like 300 dollars deposit to get a toaster I can buy a toaster from one of our shops here for about $10. So, like, I mean, is it that desperate to get a toaster that you need to deposit money in a bank account to get one for free? What sort of idiot was that desperate for a toaster? Is, does this happen in Canada too? No, I've never uh, received anything for opening up a bank. We get a lot of, like, you know, special points and you can earn things by using your bank account, but yeah. nobody gives stuff away. Yeah, that's just, it's just a weird thing. Americans, if you're listening, why? Just message me in. I don't know. Uh, but basically, this, of course, leads to uh, a random man in a trench coat just staring at a vault for, like, ages. Like, do they not notice this? And why is their vault, like, in the middle of the bank? <laughs> like, what is it? <laughs> why isn't this out the back? But, uh, so essentially, it's, it's Doc Ock. He rips open the, the door, nearly kills... Uh, 
uh, aren't they? And Peter, uh, Peter's spidey senses are clearly showing at that point. Um, you know, he's very lucky that he doesn't get his, uh, you know, completely crushed by this. And then uh, apparently the bank is filled with a bunch of gold coins. You know, this is like a 1960s cartoon <laughs> uh, at this point. Uh, New York banks just sold, you know, sell gold bullion apparently. Uh, and then Peter runs off. You know, aren't they? Peter, don't leave me. Shut up, Aunt May. Like, he's scared, all right? He's Peter. He's had a hard time. No, he's not. He's actually going to be Spider-Man. What does that bankman just say? Oh, he's a real hero. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then, I mean, we, we, I think we mentioned a little bit in the first one, didn't we, about how, you know, there's not a whole lot of sarcastic quips from, uh, you know, Peter as Spider-Man. Although we do kind of get one here when he's, like, throwing the bags. Here's your change. Um, you know, just a a little one. But it kind of leads into this um, massive fight uh, where basically uh, he kidnaps May, goes up a building, apparently turns into Godzilla because everybody's like looking out the window going, what's that, what's that? Um, Yeah, you can have the the boom from the Godzilla movie where you're hearing the stuff and going outside. Why does Aunt May have an umbrella? It doesn't look like it's going to (laughs) rain. Is this just like an old lady thing? I'm going to take my umbrella. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) And then, like, I love the bit where she's, like, dangling on the thing and she falls on the ledge. And, you know, the way Spider-Man's like, hang on, can't he see the ledge underneath her? Can't he just say, there's a ledge underneath you, step down, you stupid bitch. Uh He's so distracted by his crotch chafing, he (laughs) can't think straight. Uh, but we get this fight, you know, great. And, you know, he Doc Ock runs away with a bit of money. It's great. Uh, you mentioned the visual effects. I'm sure you're going to mention them here. But, I mean, they're great, great uh, visual effects here with this fight. Um, but I like it when Art May, shame on you, hits him in the head. And then <laughs> I've written here, when he eventually takes her down and, you know, puts her back on the street and, you know, kind of Art May's like, oh, you know, oh, you know, you saved my life. I've written here, does she get a kiss too? Like, no, what is she, I was thinking that. What if she's all like MJ and all like, oh, kiss me. Like, that's a bit awkward at that point, isn't it? <laughs> well, I mean, she doesn't know that this is her nephew. I mean, exactly. we'll find out later on, does she know? But yeah. And we've got MJ's family members in the background. Take me, take me. <laughs> um, uh, I guess we can stop there before we get to the society party, unless you want to keep going with this bit. I don't know how much no. you want me to lump in together. You've probably got more to talk about in this one. I feel like I've skipped over this one a little bit. Um, if we're talking about famous actors who just appear very early on in their career with you know you didn't know who they were at the time now you know the, the bank guy here joel McHale, huge star he was on a uh sitcom called community for years that ran and he has another new show of his own that's uh called the great indoors that's not very good but uh yeah he's had a couple of his own shows since then uh he's very recognizable now um i, I love the moment where he says you talked about like uh the kicking under the table i love all that stuff but where he just the way he almost mocks her is, I'm glad that you you know, uh, opened a new super saver account with us today. <laughs> <laughs> you might as well say like the cheapest account that we make no money off of. Thanks, old lady. <laughs> but now this whole bank scene is great when he tries to put the stuff in his pocket. Uh, you Sam Raimi really use little characters in this movie for a lot of humor. Because you weren't going to get a lot of humor out of MJ. You're going to get no humor at all out of Harry this time around. Doc Ock's not going to be that funny. Uh, Peter has a lot of funny moments considering he's depressed for the entire movie. So he uses these small background characters. And that's probably one of the reasons why a lot of these people have gone on to you know, become very recognizable. Is because they're good at coming into a movie, having six lines, and really just stealing an entire scene. 
the fight scene's great here. It, it's so old school, and this is what I like about it. You know, you were nitpicking. Why do they have gold coins in the bank? Like, can they just have dollar signs on it? Like, <laughs> <laughs> the old days. Um, why do they have any? You know, and why is he taking the coins too? Should he not be like emptying the tills where they got the fifty and hundred dollar bills? Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but just the entire fight is great. You know, the the old lady hanging from the umbrella. Uh, the, the old line lady. Later on. She doesn't have a name anymore. <laughs> old lady the old lady she's uh, not burning on it like her <laughs> but, but yeah even just a lot of the dialogue here like you said some of the little quips that he has is great and i'm not giving this as credit for the you know that this isn't the good aunt may scene but i like just the way it's written the scene at the end where it's like we sure showed him and she's like what do you mean we like yeah. this is the type of stuff you would see at a comic book or in a cartoon or something like that uh so yeah this is a fantastic scene uh it's, it's probably the last fun action scene we're going to get. Everything else from this point on gets very depressing, I feel like. But in a good way, you know? The type of depressing where <laughs> you're happy and joyful. But <laughs> yeah, that's uh, the best type of depressing. What, what I mean is it gets very serious from this point on. And this is like the last bit of fun that you can have before, you know, everybody starts having their lives ruined. Well, speaking of lies ruined, we're at a high society ball. Uh, I don't know how that was a segue. It really wasn't. Um, well, but, some uh, two guys' lives are ruined here. Yes. Uh, Peter's at the party. He's taking photos. Uh, here comes Harry. Uh, but no, not really. He's actually at the bar. He's just drunk. He wants the whole bottle. Uh, you know, sees Peter. Starts talking to him about, you know, oh, your friend the bug. What is he like? Not tonight, Harry. Every night. 24-7. Um, who is he? MJ and men? Um... <laughs> <laughs> and then we get Jonah with his. We get to meet Jonah's wife, who uh, you know she's just the one on the phone all the time. But I just want to point out Christina Estabrook uh, and any fan of Desperate Housewives. I know you're one, Colin. I know you love Desperate Housewives. Coming soon to the Oz Network. Uh, it's Martha Huber, of course, from Desperate Housewives, uh, and she also was in American Horror Story as well. I mean, she's been in lots of things. Let's be honest. Um, well, she was in Mad Men. Yeah, she's also in Designated Survivor, which I'm watching at the moment, just very briefly yeah. at least. And she was in Nip Tuck, also available by the Oz Network. <laughs> uh, um, coming soon interview, apparently. Uh, actually, I'd be very happy with that one, so that would be a good one to have. Um, but I love kind of like how he's going around, like, Peter, take a picture and all this sort of stuff. And what does he say? Like, oh, and he's the mayor and his girlfriend. Uh, wife. <laughs> <laughs> I love how the wife is, for every person, she's a great tie. Lovely dress. Yeah. She's always just commenting on one article of clothing. Yeah, she's, you can just see why they're married. Um, and then I love Peter's, you know, the whole thing is he's always trying to get food. It always gets taken from him. And, you know, he's a drink. Oh, no, it gets taken from him. Uh, then we see, uh, of course, uh, the introduction of the first man to play football on the moon. Oh. Uh, the delicious John Jan. Let's be honest. He is delicious. He really is. <laughs> Stop watching Queer as Folk, Ben. Um, I just want to say, I, I like he's really he's barely anything in this movie. He really is nothing. Like he just doesn't come across as anything. But there's just something about it that I like, and I feel so sorry for him. Like out of all the men that MJ uses and abuses, all seventeen thousand of them in these films. I feel so sorry for him because what does he do wrong? He doesn't do anything wrong. He's, you know, polite enough in the future to invite your buddy Peter to the wedding, you know? And, like, when he's getting made out upside down, oh, I feel like I'm back on the moon. Like, oh, like, how sweet is he? And he's he's a, he's a dish if we were watching Blast from the Past, <laughs> you know? 
<laughs> and the stupid bitch MJ leaves him at the altar. I would marry him. Colin, everyone would marry him. He's the Harry of this film. Uh, he's, uh, I don't know if you're aware of this, he's from Winnipeg originally, too. Oh, well, there you go. I can, you can hook me up. <laughs> uh, uh, along with, you know, uh, Anna Paquin, very famous for being born in Winnipeg and then moving to New Zealand for most of his life. Um, Just like Anna Paquin, he also came back when his career dried up to Canada and started a TV show, uh, (laughs) Saving Hope, with Erica Durant from Smallville, we also talked about on the Oz Network. Uh, That's what I know him from. I mean, he's gone on to be in, like I think it was The Vampire Diaries or something like that. But yeah, in Canada, people know him best as one of the main stars of uh, the TV show Saving Hope. So, and also like uh, Anna Paquin, she was in True Blood. Uh, he was in True Blood. So was he? Okay, so yeah, another show I haven't seen. Oh, only but one yeah, episode. I mean, but uh... <laughs> this is like his first movie, and I remember uh, when this came out. You know, you just sort of click through the people in the on IMDb. I'm like, oh, there's a guy who's from Winnipeg. That's so exciting. And of course, he did move to New Zealand like Anna Paquin, but has now come back. <laughs> To star in Canadian TV shows like Anna Paquin. <laughs> Who moves to New Zealand? Like, <laughs> from Canada too. Like, from Australia, yeah, maybe you can understand. But from Canada? Like, there's a country below you guys, you realize it's a well, little bit better. <laughs> it is Winnipeg. I mean, there's probably better places you could have but lived. But it is New Zealand. <laughs> like, that doesn't work in that argument. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so, uh, of course, he's being introduced, and, oh, look who he's with. It's MJ. And, again, they hadn't met each other before that until the top of the stairs. She was just there. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> oh, it's 7 o'clock. I haven't had any in about five minutes. Oh, you'll do. Uh, <laughs> down we go. Uh, Peter goes outside, sees MJ. Oh, you. Um, we get some more great... Um, <laughs> I just don't know what is the dialogue between these two in this film. I've been reading poetry. Whatever that means. It means he's been <laughs> reading poetry, MJ. Like, are you not listening to him? <laughs> and what is the poem? Do you have the poem that's like day by day? Oh, uh, it's the, a shit poem. Uh, homeopathic anomaly. <laughs> <laughs> if that's the type of poetry that's in like books in the New York libraries, and God damn it. That's ter- <laughs> I can come up with one right now. There was a cat in the mat, and did a chat, and whoopty splat. There we go. That's better than that crap. That's actually uh, exact lyrics to a Pitbull song as well. Um, but what does she say? After all these years, you're nothing more than an empty seat. After all these years? Let's go back to the first movie. You weren't even close for how long? You didn't realise he was your neighbour and was catching the bus, you stupid bitch? Two conversations. <laughs> um, and I've written here, like, does at any point she actually ask him how he is? Like, she is so yeah. self-centred about the fact that he didn't show up to a play. And that, you know, he doesn't return a few phone calls. He tried to return a phone call, MJ. He left you a message. Did you return his phone call? No. Did you tell him that you were about to get engaged? No. Did you even, like, he could have cancer for all you know, MJ. Maybe that's why he's like, he could be going to the doctors getting checkups. You don't even care about your best friend. See what happens when I get angry about her? Uh- <laughs> He would not have shown up to her play even if there was no disturbance. He's playing mind games with her all of a sudden because she says that she has a boyfriend. And because now, and she, then she deserves gets ex- to have mind games play with it because that's all she fucking does. <laughs> She's, she gets engaged and the first thing he does is say, now I want you back even though like, you know, 45 minutes ago in this movie, I wanted nothing to do with you. She leaves him at the altar. She leaves him at the altar, Colin. <laughs> Because Peter ruined her. 
No! Peter's sad, alright? Just see, they're both terrible people in these movies. Peter's not a terrible person. You take that back. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, Anyways. I, I, I've got to calm down. <laughs> we get Harry and uh, Peter having a slap, face, slap fest. <laughs> What does he say? You stole MJ from me. You stole my father's love. Okay, let's point out two misconceptions in what he just said. You stole MJ from him. You broke the bro code. You're a dick. Secondly, you stole my father's love. Really? (laughs) When? (laughs) During their two-minute conversation. (laughs) And even then, like, the one thing that I will say, like, okay, I get it. Harry's Norman's son. But, like, the only interactions we ever get between Harry and Norman is him basically going off at his dad and then his dad going, oh, what, from all the schools that I took you out of, blah, blah, blah. And then, like, we get the scene of him catching his drunken dad on the floor passed out. Uh, and yeah. then leaving him for dead on a balcony at, you know, Macy Gray concert day, whatever the fuck that was. <laughs> like, at what point is the Norman Harry father-son relationship anything more than what we've seen? Um, yeah. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> and uh, as you said, at this point, uh, MJ and uh, Dreamy John get engaged. Uh, just one thing I will say, the only negative thing I'll say about John Jameson in this movie, bit of an attention seeker. Um, because, like, we've got this slap fight happening between Harry and, and Peter. Everyone's like, oh, my goodness. And all of a sudden, he just happens to think, oh, I'm going to get on a microphone. Everybody loves me. I'm the astronaut who played football on the moon. <laughs> hey, everyone, I just got engaged. It's his party, Ben. <laughs> well, okay, now you make a solid point. But, like, it's... <laughs> I can't defend myself after that. I forgot, all right? <laughs> you sounded so snarky the way you said that. Like, you were like, oh, it's if his you party, boys, Ben. She just be like, if you boys are done, can we get back to my celebration here with my fiancé that you both are fighting over? Oh, fuck. Um, anyway, um, so he leaves the party. Peter is trying. He's losing his uh, powers again. Uh, notice how he can go home in the Spidey suit this time around, but he can't make it to a play or deliver pizza in the Spidey <laughs> suit. Um, again, he falls down from a very high height and somehow survives. Goes up the wall again, uh, starting to lose his grip. Uh, sees the newspaper, Doc Ock and Rob... Uh, no, Doc Ock, Rob Bank with Spider-Man or whatever it is. Um... What have I written here? Ah, uh, diagnosis up here. Oh, right, okay. Then we... Doctor. <laughs> Is that the doctor? <laughs> I've written here dragonosis. I'm like, what's a dragonosis? Dragonosis. <laughs> diagnosis. Uh, so he's in the doctor. He's getting checked out. I like the way he's kind of like, uh, in my dream, uh, I'm Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> in my dream. It's not even my dream. It's a friend of mine. <laughs> uh, I like Tobey Maguire pulls that off really well. Um, and then, yeah, so kind of, we just get this nice little scene. The doctor's basically saying, you have a choice, you know, um, just the way he's trying to explain it. We get a flashback forward sideways of Ben, um, Uncle Ben, that is not me. I'm not in the film. (laughs) You know, it's a nice little scene. Uh, and we obviously get that with great power comes great responsibility. Uh, he's trying to basically say, you know, you can do this, you can do this. And basically he's like, no, no, Uncle Ben. I'm just Peter Parker. I am Spider-Man no more. Throws a costume into the alley. And then we get the eyes fading out into black. Now, I want to stop here because I want to keep the next scene separate. Um, yeah. But 
Yeah, everything I just discussed. <laughs> okay, so... I mean, I said most of what I was going to say on the party scene in arguing with you, <laughs> but except the only other thing I wanted to add is just how good James Franco is in this movie. And uh, if you had told me back, and I liked him in the first Spider-Man, and I liked him on the TV show Freaks and Geeks he had before that, but if you had told me at the time in 2002, this guy's going to be nominated for two or three Academy Awards or whatever it is and be this highly respected actor, I would have been like, Harry Osborn? <laughs> You show me Spider-Man 2 and I can see it, like his potential. He's so good in this movie. Uh, the scene where he is slapping Peter, I, I love all that. Um, not just because Peter kind of deserves it in this movie. Hey. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, he's he's by far probably my favorite character in Spider-Man 2. Uh, the, the, I wrote there the exact same thing about the weird line about, I've been reading poetry, whatever that means, (laughs) which I kind of get it from her point of view. Like, he's just sort of saying this out of nowhere. She's like, okay, great. And then when he starts quoting the poetry, she's like, just shut up already. This is awful. (laughs) So I don't understand, uh, you know, whoever the Elliot is either. Just like (laughs) Doc Ock, neither of them understand this poetry. They're old, Milfy Octavius. I mean, come on, poetry doesn't get girls moist in 2004, please. (laughs) I tried. It's. It's just nice-looking men from Winnipeg, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. For MJ, it's men. Yeah. <laughs> Period. <People. laughs> Anything breathing. <laughs> um, oh, not his necessarily. doctor here. No. <laughs> uh, the doctor here is kind of fun, too. Uh, yeah. I, I, I love the whole scene, like you said. It's like, <laughs> it's not even my friend, or it's not even me. It's a friend of mine. Yeah. Uh, it was my friend's dream. <laughs> my friend told me about the dream one time. <laughs> But this doctor, he's got this weird tie-dyed hippie shirt underneath. And I kind of wonder, is this a proctor, proper diagnosis? Or is this doctor just like, uh, you know, some weird hippie doctor? It's like, everything's in your head. You know, Peter comes in and he's like, you know what? It's all up here. Peter will see another doctor. It's like, I'm sorry to tell you this, son. You have Lyme disease. <laughs> like, this doctor probably misdiagnosed Peter Parker. Well, this is my point. He's got cancer. This is what MJ doesn't know about him. <laughs> Peter has Lyme disease and doesn't know it. And this hippie doctor is just living in this world. It's like, all you need is some herbs and some essential oils. It's okay. <laughs> but yeah, the Spider-Man no more like that. It's played so well. And the editing is so good. You know, getting to see uncle Ben back again. Uh, that was a really clever way to do it. I, I remember after seeing this movie, you know, telling people it's like, it's great. Like I had never seen a movie at the time where it's like, all the characters of the first movie come back, including the dead ones. Yeah. <laughs> like the way of teasing it. It's like both Norman and Uncle Ben get to be in this movie again. Uh, but it's such a good scene. Um, I use this as an example because my wife kind of, she's not a big fan of Tobey Maguire. And I don't know why. I think because she never really watched the, she watched the first two Spider-Man movies. But the third was the one where she got excited about it and saw it. And she judges him a little bit too much, I think, because of the emo stuff in oh. Spider-Man 3, as she says. I can't wait to get which coincidentally, defend it. <laughs> well, coincidentally, she liked Spider-Man 3 because she laughed at him. But because of that, she views him as a bad actor. And I'm like, you haven't watched a lot of his great movies. Like, he's done some really good movies even before he did Spider-Man. Uh, Ride with the Devil, an Ang Lee movie he made. I- I've seen that movie, like, you know, 20, 30 times. I love him in that movie. But she was criticizing his performance in the party scene because, like, look at his face. His face is just, like, not even responding to any of this. I'm like, that's the point. You have to watch the next scene to get it because he can't respond in front of anybody. And then when he's alone in his room and, you know, he looks angry in the scene when he's in bed and then he's crying in the scene with Uncle Ben. It's just it's it's such a clever way that Sam Raimi played this of Peter you know, not really knowing how to deal with all this and then just giving up. And then that shot of him leaving it in the garbage can, 
know, it, I didn't realize at the time, but it's become famous since that they actually took the cover of a real issue of the Spider-Man comic uh, and duplicated that shot. And uh, I mentioned the last movie about the title of this. They never really uh, settled on an official title for the longest time. It was supposed to be called The Amazing Spider-Man. And then they toyed around with a thousand titles. And one of the titles they actually toyed with was calling the movie Spider-Man No More, which I'm just thankful to say i don't really like movies that are just so unoriginal it was like it's spider-man 2 this was sort of one of these movies like we're gonna call it the amazing spider-man no we're gonna call it the spectacular spider-man no we're gonna call it spider-man no more okay let's just call it spider-man 2 (laughs) originally sam Raimi said he didn't want to go the route of just calling it spider-man 2 and that's what they settled on i'm happy because otherwise if this were called spider-man no more i think i kind of groan at the title at least all right so we then move on to I don't know how we're going to go with this scene because I feel that uh, this might be a real disagreement. This might be, you know, you going on about Peter again or something like that. And, uh, you know, Peter is not an asshole. Fuck you, Colin. Um, so we, we've seen the, the costumes in the bin and all of a sudden we hear a bit of dun, 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 raindrops keep falling on my head. Uh, we get this strange little montage of... <laughs> Peter Parker walking around, uh, you know, he's got to have his glasses back on, he's tripping, he's, um, you know, repairing his bike, his wheels falling out the window, um, he's eating hot dogs and watching crime happen in front of him and smiling, um, he's putting his hand up for point twenty three electron volts. Excellent work, Parker. Um, and then, for some reason, when he walks down the street... He has the ability to freeze frame the movie. (laughs) You can't do that? No, I've never been able to. I've tried so many times. Um, The reason I wanted to kind of just keep this one separate and not lump it in. Now, this is going to be... You're going to rip me a new one for this one. I just know you are. This is you. Um, I like Spider-Man 3. Okay, let me just leave with that. Again, we're losing our audiences already. The Matrix sequels, Star Wars prequels. I don't... Like, I can definitely see flaws with Spider-Man 3. I'm not going to say it's better than Spider-Man 1 or 2 by any shot, but I I do like it still. And I know one of the big criticisms Spider-Man 3 gets, among many things, is the whole emo montage when, you know, Peter Parker is, is emo Peter. And everybody's like, oh, this is terrible. It doesn't fit in with it and all that sort of stuff. And I can kind of see it, but I weirdly like it. I don't like, I'm not going to be like, oh, this is the greatest thing ever. Like, I just, I kind of think it's got its charm, the way the way they do it. It's weird. I know, I'm weird. I like Time of the Day and Madonna. Shut up. But this, to me, like, I think this is worse than the emo scene. This just does not fit. Like, I just don't, oh, I just on. don't understand where this comes from. It's just like, okay, cool. Raindrops keep falling on my head. You know, I get it. We've got to see that he's back to his normal life now and great. He's all goofy and Peter Parkery again. But like, what destroys this for me is the freeze frame. It's so out of place. Like, what is that? That, that just annoys me. Every, I remember seeing this in the movies thinking, what the hell is this? Um, and like, and such a great movie. Just, this just takes me out of it. I just don't like this sequence and I prefer the emo sequence in Spider-Man 3. There, I said it. So this to me is just, yeah, I'm not a fan. There are so many things wrong with the emo sequence that we can't really cover now. We'll have to cover in another week. Uh, and trust me, we will cover it at great length. (laughs) (laughs) But I think most importantly, okay, I will side with you on one thing. The emo scene is there because of this scene. It was trying to do the exact same thing. It failed in so many ways. This was humorous because it was meant to be humorous. 
the emo scene was not meant i mean there there's moments where it's meant to be humorous but sam raimi's intention was meant for we're getting into this way too early but <laughs> his intention was something different with that scene and we'll get into that um with this he wanted to show that peter was kind of just burden free again you know um nothing's worrying me <laughs> that's basically why the song was chosen uh and yet, at the same time, things still go wrong for him. You know, his bike wheel still flies out the window. The moment where he's walking and he trips in slow motion is so brilliantly played, so brilliantly edited. That alone deserves a standing ovation if you see this movie. It, it's, it's so hilarious. And all those other moments where it's like, yeah, he's enjoying himself again. But there's other things where it's like he's basically just, you know, throwing away his responsibilities. It's important for where his character's at in this movie and the freeze frame, it's dumb, it's goofy, but it's fun. And Peter's supposed to be having fun at this point. And, you know, my freeze frame... My, <laughs> You've actually got... He does uh, have that as his Skype profile picture right now. The freeze yeah, frame it of is <laughs> Peter Parker's new Spidey sense, uh, where he has the ability to Spidey freeze himself <laughs> and everyone else around him. <laughs> that was a fun way of describing it. But I love this scene. And I love it because it's supposed to be like... Peter is happy. You see, again, the burden of everything he's doing. And it's like I was talking about with the party scene. You know, my wife was critical about how he's not really reacting to anything. And it's like, well, he's not reacting because he can't. <laughs> and now he's like, I don't have to worry about being Spider-Man anymore. I can just be fun and goofy and I'm still screwing up. But it's not driving me nuts anymore. And I'm not ready to, you know, go postal on everybody. <laughs> um, the scene works in so many ways in this movie. Uh, most importantly, just as a fun comedy scene in the middle of, as I said, what's basically a very serious, dramatic, darker second half to the movie. And wait until we get to Spider-Man 3, because I'm going to rip that scene to pieces. <laughs> there we go. We knew it was going to happen, that we had to have some sort of thing. And we've been very calm about that, considering of what, how many, how long ago were we just yelling at each other, the penis, penis on an asshole, you're an asshole, can fuck you. you. <laughs> can you at least give me that the trip is oh, funny yeah. at the beginning yeah, look, of I, I do, yeah. yeah. No, I will give you that, for sure. <laughs> Um, the, the one, the one bit actually, go back and watch that scene, look in the background and everybody's staring. Like, I think that's yeah. a bit of a mistake that they're the, all the extras of New York city, just watching them film Spider-Man too. Uh, either that or Peter well, Parker is just so attractive in his white suit and tripping over. <laughs> they're all predicting it. <laughs> hey, that guy kind of looks like what Spider-Man does outside of the suit. He's going to trip over at any point. <laughs> but what well, we see the same thing in Spider-Man three. And again, it's, it kind of goes towards what Sam Raimi's intention was. You know, and people could do some research on that if you wonder what I'm talking about ahead of next week's show. But yeah, we see a lot more staring in Spider-Man 3. And I also don't think that was scripted. I think these people were watching and saying, this is what they're doing for the new Spider-Man movie. <laughs> I, I think I'll watch Ben Affleck and Daredevil again. Thank you. <laughs> so you should. It's underrated. Uh, oh. oh, shut up. You're losing <laughs> all of our... <laughs> <laughs> We really need to do a movie where just like, you know, I think we've we've played it very safe. And I think we have talked about this off air about how pretty much all the movies we've done, we've enjoyed. Um, yeah. We, we obviously... That last that long. Yeah, we really need to do one that we dislike. But I think there's going to be fun we end up doing one where like, I love, you hate, or, you know, I hate and you yeah. love. <laughs> yeah, it'll happen. Oh, goodness. People, again, suggest them in. Send them in to us at the Oz Network at Hotmail.com. We want to hear your thoughts. We're just waiting until we cover Spider-Man 3 next week. Wait till we get to The Amazing Spider-Man 2. That's going to be my one out of all these five. Uh -oh. um, so, all right. So, then we cut to see Peter's at MJ's play, finally. He made the 8 o'clock curtain. See? He's capable of doing stuff. Colin? Uh <laughs> 
But we see another scene of uh, the importance of being honest. God, this play looks shit. Um, <laughs> and M- it's more entertaining when she flubs her lines. Let's just say that. MJ. Are you glad? Yeah. Are you glad? Are you glad? <laughs> um, but again, she's talking about men as always. Again, she's just not acting. She's just, you know, <laughs> in a scene. Yeah. But we see uh, Reed Diamond. I don't, are you surely you're familiar with that guy that's on stage, Reed Diamond? He, you're a 24 fan. He was in season eight. Do you remember him? I don't. No, I mean, I wasn't paying as close attention to him in that scene. Who was he in season, was Jason season 8? Jason Killer in season 8. And he was, I think he was just like one of the um, like the FBI or sort of CTU random sort of people mm. high up in the chain. Um, but, I mean, he's one of these ones, again, that just you see straight away, like, oh, him. Because, uh, I mean, I've been watching... Oh! Yeah? Yeah. You well, look- yeah, I mean, <laughs> not, when I was watching Spider-Man, I didn't notice, but I just clicked on on IMDb, and the second I saw his imdb pick i'm yeah. like oh i remember him for 24 <laughs> yeah that guy and i mean speaking of keeper sutherland shows uh i mean i'm watching designated survivor at the moment he's in that uh he was in yeah. the show that i grew up watching with my mum, judging amy um, oh ben so, <laughs> hey thanks to my mum. you shut up um he was at dollhouse there's a fun show we should cover oh there you go i've never seen dollhouse so uh put it on the list uh, so yeah, I mean again, he with Penny, just <laughs> he's one of these ones who's been in like everything. You see that face, and you're like, oh, that guy. Um, but you know what's funny? This is completely off topic. Now this is, this becomes the Reed Diamond show. <laughs> when we say that about most actors on here, it's like, yeah, they did two or three episodes of this TV show. Everything you scroll through on IMDb, he's in like you know dozens of episodes. Yeah. And so he's kind of like that guy character. who never gets a starring role. He's just always a side character. Yeah, um, yeah exactly. He's trying so hard. He was in uh, Memphis Bell. I remember that movie. That was a good movie. Um, yeah, that's a blast from the past. What about that one? Anyway, uh, so yeah, Peter's at the play. Sees uh, MJ afterwards. Um, and MJ is talking about how you look different. Uh, she says that about... The glasses. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I love Peter's line when he says... I did my homework. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, kids. Not only if you eat your green vegetables and do your homework, you can do flips and you look different, all right? MJ will find you attractive, which she will anyway, because you're a man. So, or unless you're a woman too, because she probably would at some point. Um, but I love her. I love his line. Want to get some chow made? <laughs> <laughs> It's like the same one of the first one. It's like, uh, uh, we'll go get some pie some evening or something like that. <laughs> but, like, this is, again, awkward romantic dialogue, which is just, I don't know, like, when it gets in chow mein, Peter, I'm getting married. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because like because engaged people can't eat chow mein. <laughs> it's a law. She had no problem getting, you know, cheeseburgers and pie and stuff like that with him when she was with Harry. Yep. Yep, exactly, MJ. And Harry's no John Jameson, let's just say. <laughs> exactly. Oh, what a dish. Um, but then, <laughs> I, the delicious John delicious. Jameson. <laughs> I, I like a lie with, again, this is just, oh, I really to write all their conversations down word for word because, again, it just sounds so awkward and you're reading it out out of context. You think just because you saw my play, you can talk me out of getting married? Oh, we can pick up from where we left off. You can't get on if you can't get off. Uh, what? I don't even understand what she's saying. And then the line that she says, you complicate things. I'm screaming at my TV at this point. I'm like, and you don't? Like, how many boys have you had in the last week? Just shut up, MJ. And then and then Peter perfectly summarise it by saying the words, I don't understand. 
<laughs> which is, you know, obvious. It's NJ. <laughs> and then again, following with the very romantic line, I'm not an empty seat anymore. And then <laughs> turns yeah. around and says, oh, this is completely out of context. Punch me. I bleed. I'm like, what? <laughs> and then at this point, there's just such a silence between the two characters. I would give MJ huge props at this point if she punched him. That would be hilarious. <laughs> Punch me. I bleed. Block. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, ow, that hurt. I didn't mean literally. Just like the bank manager. Ow. Oh, my God. Ow. <laughs> and then she gets in the taxi. I have to go. I'm getting married in a church because obviously, you know, he said, oh, I always picture you getting married on a hill or something or whatever. Um, And then all of a sudden she's just like, you have changed. And then drives off. Like, what? (laughs) But has he changed for the better or worse? Well, I mean, we haven't had a montage in five minutes of raindrops keep falling on my head. (laughs) So, like, I couldn't tell you. (laughs) But... uh, yeah, I don't know if you want to say to this just this one before we move on to Jonah again. <laughs> no, um, and I mean I like this scene, and I'm critical of some of these scenes. And when you do sit there and break apart the dialogue, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of groan worthy. Uh, we should also know we kind of teased this in the last episode. Now, if we're gonna have a chance, another chance to cover it, this movie had four screenwriters, <laughs> and um, when you say that, a lot of times it's like, oh yeah, I have a lot of people working on it. I mean, three separate scripts for this movie, multiple drafts of each version was done. It started with Alfred Goff and Miles Miller, who are the guys who created Smallville, of course. And I remember when they were hired to do this, I'm like, wow, the guys who do Smallville are going to do Spider-Man. And they were eventually replaced. And then the, the guy who replaced him was replaced. And if you actually read up, it's not like they had a solid idea even. Doc Ock was really the only consistent thing. And everything changed. Like, there's very few similarities from one of these scripts to the next. So you have four people writing this movie. And, yeah, some of this dialogue, if you just read it verbatim the way Ben did, it sounds awful. But this is where I feel like it's unfortunate that some people have lost a bit of their um, praise, the praise that uh, uh, Tom McGuire and Kristen Dunst got a lot of when this first came out because they can carry some of these scenes and make it interesting, and the dialogue is terrible. Some of it doesn't make sense, but they're believable in it. So I, I give them credit for that at the very least. Now, now we, we joked in the first one about sort of the, you know, George Lucas style of romantic lines, but, uh, you know, again, I, I agree. I, I definitely think Tobey Maguire and Kirsten Dunst have great chemistry. Do you think that, uh, you know, let's flip roles, let's put Hayden Christensen and Natalie Portman in Spider-Man, and let's put uh, Tobey Maguire and Kirsten Dunst in Star Wars. How do you think Tobey Maguire would be going, rubbing the back of Kirsten Dunst, going, I don't like sand, it's coarse, rough. <laughs> annoying and it gets everywhere <laughs> well okay i'll just say this i find tomu and kirsten dunce a little bit more believable in the bad dialogue delivery <laughs> having said that you can watch attack of the clones and uh padme and anakin genuinely at least look like they're probably ready to orgasm in their <laughs> you know robes or whatever they're wearing <laughs> whereas it's maybe a little bit too innocent here in spider-man so i mean actual dialogue delivery not so good but there's still some decent chemistry in star wars all right there you go that, that works uh all right we're gonna get to a jonah scene um, he's, he's oh. talking about uh the, the wedding reception and that when he's talking about caviar who are we hosting the uh, just coming to have cheese and crackers 
Um, and then here comes the homeless guy with a bag, and I love just like you know, the homeless lying. guy's a garbage man. He's not a homeless guy. Is he a homeless guy? Oh, is he? Oh, okay, well he looked he's dirty. So That's why he picked it up the garbage? Sorry, I thought he was a homeless guy or whatever. You know, <laughs> my bad. Um, but then, what does he say? If you tell me that's ahead of an extraterrestrial, the third one this week. <laughs> Do you want to think the same four people who wrote "Punch Me and I Bleed"? I'm not an uh, open book or whatever it is. Came up with these lines. I'm betting that J.K. Simmons wrote half of this stuff himself. <laughs> I, I think the same guys who came up with "Punch Me and I Bleed" are the same ones who came up with "Thirst." Uh, they're the Smallville <laughs> people. Um, Very good point. I want to, what does he say? Like, oh, I'll get him a hundred dollars, and like, oh, I can get more no, than that on eBay. Or is it fifty dollars? Yeah. And then my favorite line, maybe in this entire movie: "Give this man his money and throw in a bar soap yeah. <laughs> and a tray of meat, Christmas meat." Christmas meat. <laughs> oh, it's so good. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, he's brought in the Spider-Man suit. We should say that. There is something in the bag. It's not an extraterrestrial head. It's uh, the Spidey suit. And of course, you know, <laughs> Joe, oh, he's given up. Oh, we've succeeded. Uh, you know, have the great front page with the, the suit on the front page. You know, where's he gone or whatever it says. Um, and then we, we get, uh, I didn't even mention earlier in the film, I think I said in the first one, my favourite sort of uh, busker person in all these movies, you know, it's not Chad Kroger in the first film, oh, yeah. it's uh, it's the Asian lady on the violin, <laughs> just when, <laughs> when she's doing the, where have you gone, Spider-Man, spin the web, <laughs> just the way she- What's best about that scene again is, this is where Tobey Maguire deserves some credit, um, he starts out kind of giving that acknowledgement. You know, the audience is meant to be like, oh, they're doing the Spider-Man theme. And he's like, yeah, this is nice. And then as a progressive, he just looks like completely mortified. Like, what are you doing to my song? Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. And uh, just uh, kind of, I guess we will get to, I <laughs> just saw your picture. <laughs> Joe Jefferson's <laughs> Spider-Man. <laughs> is that Photoshop or is that a real thing? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a that's a deleted scene that follows this. That's in the extended cut of Spider Man Two, two point five, whatever they called it. That he puts on the suit. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he puts it on and pretends to be Spider Man. <laughs> oh, how did we not see that? That sounds like the most awesome scene ever. <laughs> Maybe we'll send a YouTube clip up when we post this. Episode. Oh, please! I've it's never amazing. seen that. Um, we, I mean, I know we're kind of jumping ahead to the credits here. Uh, trust me, people. We will get to them eventually. <laughs> we're talking about this yeah. a lot, but um, I mean, we should just a side note: the the Michael Boo version of the spider-man theme if you haven't heard it i'm sure you have but like go out and listen to it because it is fantastic i mean everyone loves the boob that's michael buble i'm sure people also like boobs but um you know he (laughs) (laughs) that's his wife that's not him (laughs) i actually did i got into trouble once i remember when i was working at my music store we were out the back sort of doing stock and um, there's a picture of Michael Bublé on the wall. And I was standing next to like one of my female co-workers. And I just randomly go, ah, the boob. And then she turns to me and she's like, I beg your pardon. And I'm like, Michael Bublé, Michael Bublé. And she laughed. And I was like, I was about to get in trouble for like sexual harassment. Um, anyway, but yeah, it's a great version. Michael Bublé is awesome. And I'm guessing he's one Canadian singer that you guys are very proud of, surely? Uh, Michael Bublé has an annual Christmas special that airs here in Canada. Um, and I think this past year he didn't have one and they just aired every single one of the previous five years. Like Michael Bublé, basically he could be our next prime minister if he wanted to be. He should be. He's, he's your Hugh Jackman. Everybody loves him, right? 
Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's a boob. What can you He's say? He's a boob. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone loves the boob, right? Uh, yeah, his version of the Spider-Man theme is amazing. If you never heard it, go go out and listen to it. Um, so we, I mean, the real point behind him seeing this uh, woman singing the song is he's walking down the street, uh, you know, being his free sun raindrops, sun drops, raindrops falling on my head, Peter. Uh, ladies are checking him out, apparently. Um, cool. And then he just uh, does what everybody seems to do in New York City and just ignore a guy getting bashed to death. Like, I'm not blaming Peter at that point. There's about another hundred people on the street that are next to Peter at that point. Nobody's doing a thing. Uh, it's like, yeah. you know, that's just what happens in New York. But we then, this is another one of those weird sort of fades that I feel this movie has because we then see, uh, you know, Aunt May and Peter drinking tea. Um, good for them. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, I guess we shouldn't laugh at this scene. It's a sweet little scene where, you know, May's still whinging about Uncle Ben being dead. Um, but then, uh, <laughs> sweet little scene, and I just ripped shit into it straight away. Uh, and then Peter, bas- <laughs> Peter basically admits that it was his fault, tells a story about how he got uh, murdered, and poor old Aunt May's shocked. She gets up and walks away. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty sad, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And then... Terrible. Yeah, terrible. <laughs> Yeah, terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Old woman, get over it. Um, We get another one of our 15-second Doc Ock scenes. Um, He's building his thing. He just needs one more. That's when he needs a tritium, isn't it? Um, Yeah, because it is, actually, because what do we get next? We get an overhead dramatic shot of Harry banging on a newspaper. Where are you? (laughs) Which, look, again, it's so cheesy and dramatic, but it just works. Like, I'm not saying it's bad. I just love the way... What's he been doing all this night? Just sitting there at his desk, uh, you know, banging at his newspapers. How's he meant to find (laughs) Spider-Man and Peter Parker and all that sort of stuff? By reading newspapers. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. that's how you did it in 2000. But then we get the star of this movie. Uh, <laughs> the butler. The butler. Bernard is his name, is it? He said, yeah, Bernard. I'm leaving for the night, sir. Good night. Your father only obsessed over his work. Good night, Bernard. <laughs> I want to see I want to see a spin-off film of Jamison and Bernard working together. <laughs> The butler and the editor are coming soon to theatres near you. <laughs> it's his voice. Just his voice. He's, I can't even remotely do his the way he's like, I'm leaving for the night tonight, sir. He just sounds like so creepy. But like you sound funny. like Tiny Tim at the end of Scrooge. <laughs> God bless us, everyone. <laughs> that is so much better than mine. Uh, <laughs> Um, now, is this is this a thing in the comics, like, that, you know, Harry and, and Norman, they have a butler? Is this meant to be the Alfred of the Spider-Man universe? Um, I have no idea. I'm going to Google it right now. Uh, I think this is... I, I looked up the actor, and uh, he pretty much only appears in Sam Raimi movies, so I'm pretty sure that this guy is, like, some relative or crazy uncle. Um, here we go. His name, at least in the movie, is Bernard Hausman. Uh, I'll see if he's actually in the comics or not. No. Uh, yeah, Aww. this guy's specifically for the movie. Um, <laughs> I, oh, they've got his full quote here from part three, and I can't wait to. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, oh, he's just so good. Because he did speak in the first one. I think we overlooked him. Wasn't that when he's like, I tried to stop her? Like when that woman comes yeah, exactly. in, he's like, Norman's dead. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> we gotta- I love this, though. If you look, you look on Marvel's uh, wiki page... That's where it comes up with Bernard. Bernard was Norman and Harry's personal butler before they both died. Uh, his, it says, appear in Spider-Man 1, Spider-Man 2, Spider-Man 3. Status, alive. <laughs> he, he's the new head of Oscorp. <laughs> he's the only guy that survives of anybody connected to the Osborne family. Like, this is the guy that they can pin the whole murder on. Because, you know, the police come and they question him. It's like, so... Tell us about the night that Norman Osborn died. I cleaned the wounds from his dead body. <laughs> like, lock him up. This guy is sick, okay? I can even hear Jamie in the background laughing. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh my God. I, just want, I honestly wish that this could just be a thing. You know, when Tim Burton gave up on doing the Batman movies and they brought in Joel Schumacher... The one thing they retained was like the same uh, Alfred, and I would have loved for the Amazing Spider-Man movies to retain Bernard yes. here, and just they make it a thing. Like he could become the the Alfred of Spider-Man or the Judy Dench for what she is to the Bond movies, where he just crosses over different reboots and everything, and his whole purpose is just to come in to one scene and say the single most inappropriate <laughs> thing that you can imagine. <laughs> Is, is, is this guy? Is this actor still alive? Like uh, in real life, or the actor? Um, let me see. It's uh, kind of bad that I automatically think oh, he was old, so he must say, be alive. Let's say status alive. So let's just take that as okay. Back. Well, you know, I mean, he did look like he was quite elderly. No, he died. He died in 2011 at the age of 91. Oh. oh, rest in peace, John Paxton, aka Bernard, the creepy butler. Is Bill's dead? Are they any relation or? <laughs> Bill what? Paxton? 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 Like, you know, the guy who was in not. Twister? <laughs> yeah. Recently talked about in three episodes, yeah. including museum yes. uh, um, Like, Think of the amount of that he could just come in. Like, what other scenes in this movie could he just randomly <laughs> pop into and just say something completely inappropriate? Like Aunt May, the, the confession scene coming up. And he just walks in and he's like, I steeped your tea for 30 minutes. <laughs> MJ and Peter, punch me, I bleed. When Norman punched someone, they didn't bleed. <laughs> I've become very skilled at cleaning blood out of white shirts. <laughs> Raindrops keep falling on my head. Raindrops don't fall on my head, I clean them off. <laughs> Eat your green vegetables. That's what my mom always said to do. I told you the same thing last week. <laughs> He's Why like, don't I ever get credit? You know who he is? He's the, um... Is it Herman Muntz? Who's the old guy with the glasses on The Simpsons? He's always, like, getting, you know... He's in the background. Oh, you know, what's Mark his name? Mormon? Yeah, not him. What am I thinking? <laughs> That's who he is. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Oh... <laughs> 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 um, Anyway, please tweet us your ideas for Bernard Hausman in Spider-Man: Homecoming. <laughs> <laughs> I love teenagers at prom. <laughs> Look at that John Jameson! Isn't he a dish? <laughs> <laughs> that John Jameson. 
<laughs> He's so delicious. <laughs> I feel like I'm on the moon again. Because <laughs> let's be honest, MJ's had him too. Uh. <laughs> oh, definitely. Like, He's at the house all the time. <laughs> oh, oh. He's got nothing did I? better to do. Make me a that. sandwich. Oh, no, I've tripped over. Oh, my dress has come up. <laughs> I didn't have dresses when I was fun. your age. <laughs> they weren't invented this yet. This is more fun than when Norman plays this game with me. <laughs> <laughs> that night I had to clean his wounds. You wouldn't know the liquids that were in his orifices. <laughs> oh, Bernard. Rest in peace. <laughs> Only we can take like some poor old soul who's died in the last five years and laugh about him more than anything in this movie. <laughs> He's so good though. <laughs> uh, where's the picture of him in Spider-Man's suit? <laughs> If any of our listeners are good at Photoshop, please do that as a gift to us for the hours of entertainment we provide you. I'm Spider-Man no more. Bernard in a Spider-Man suit over Norman's dead body. (laughs) All you gotta do is just replace that. (laughs) Oh, my ribs hurt. (laughs) This is why these episodes go so long. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Oh. So Harry's angry. He's banging newspapers. <laughs> um, okay. And did we have anything to discuss there? Uh, Doc oh, Doc Ock. I do. Let's let's yeah. Doc Ock's fifteen second scene that he's amazing in all of. Um, yep. The, the confession scene, I mean, this is like Tobey Maguire's shining moment. It feels wrong to talk about it now after Bernard died. <laughs> okay. Uh, composure here, okay. But no, I mean, it's this isn't the Aunt May scene I was talking about. It is a great scene, though, mostly because Aunt May says almost nothing. <laughs> this is one of the reasons I kind of hate her in these movies, because... She's so over the top um, in her delivery of everything. And uh, it's like, no, you were re- reading books at the library like a good old boy. Like, come on, Aunt May. <laughs> we want the rage. Show us some rage, May. <laughs> Turn Norman. Uh, and all she... <laughs> yeah, go Norman. We want to see schizophrenic Aunt May here. <laughs> Out, am I? <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, Tobey Maguire is so good in this scene. And... Yeah. There's a lot of these scenes, it's funny that I I don't follow the dialogue. I said this about the soap opera scenes between, you know, Peter and MJ and these. Um, and this is one of those scenes where it's just a long monologue. And honestly, I couldn't tell you everything he says in this scene. But I always remember Tobey Maguire's performance. And I think that's the talent of an actor is if you don't even pay attention to what you're saying and you get the point of the scene. And I, I love this scene, and I love Tom McGuire in this movie. This is by far his strongest performance uh, in the Spider-Man series. I, I agree, and uh, I think, yeah, I, I definitely feel that, you know, I, I think at the beginning of all these, I said I was definitely Team Toby, um, and, yeah, I mean, look, let's be honest, Toby McGuire doesn't have uh, the dramatic acting capabilities of a nervous twitch when he gets a bit too much. Hello, Andrew Garfield. 
Um, but <laughs> we're gonna have some fun conversations on Garfield. I don't, I'm not quite sure on my opinion, but I, I think that yeah, it'll be fun. When we Look, get to I, I sound like I must hate him. I don't actually hate him. I actually do like him. <laughs> he definitely has his his merits as Peter Parker and Spider Man. I'm not completely anti Andrew Garfield, but I just like Tobey Maguire better. So, <laughs> but yeah, I um. I definitely agree with you. But anyway, after uh, the starring role from Bernard, uh, Doc Ock, uh, he's been Godzilla again because Harry's going out on the balcony <laughs> hearing those footsteps. Uh, again, we're in the wrong movie, but, uh, you know, here he is. Jump scare time um, because here comes Doc Ock. We got it. What was the jump scare we got in the first one? There was definitely, I swear, like, going back to what you're saying about his, what, Evil Dead trilogies. That, yeah, um, I think it was... Um it might have been when Spider-Man had been kidnapped by him. There was just this random... Oh, no, it was a, a dream sequence, I feel like, where all of a sudden there was just the the goblin head and him screaming, like, rah! Yeah, yeah. There's definitely... Because I definitely remember. So there seems to be two movies in a row we've got the jump scare. Um, yeah. But uh, he wants the tritium. He needs it. But uh, basically, Harry says, no, we'll make you a deal. Bring me Spider-Man. Kill Spider-Man. No, actually, bring him to me. Alive, and you'll have all the trivium you, trivium you need. Why, why does Doc Ock listen to him? Like, he, he's got fucking mechanical arms. Couldn't he just, like, drop him on the ground, kill Harry, just rip his building to pieces? Um, yeah. You know? Um, but from there, uh, we find out that, you know, go see Peter Parker. He takes his photos. So it's like, oh, dramatic. What's going to happen with Peter? Uh, Peter then sees the... We get the newspaper. Crime up 75%. <laughs> <laughs> Holy in crap! New York City. <laughs> Holy crap! That is like wow. That's an increase before Spider Man was around. <laughs> like, look if if this were reality, New York City, you know, millions and millions of people, crime capital of America, or whatever. For crime to have been down seventy five percent, basically the only people who are getting arrested for is jaywalking and yeah. littering. Like that's how much crime he would have had to have eliminated. And I mean, in all honesty, I mean, New York is pretty much. I think they say it's the safest big city in America. So it's kind of obviously. I feel like crime just increases more when Spider Man's around, even though he's taking rid of it because somehow it just went up a huge amount of you know that. And how like the statistics so quickly? They're the best newspaper in the world. They can do a get a deadline done in six minutes when they don't have a front page and get the statistics that quickly? I mean, how long has Spider-Man been out for? Um, 75%. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That, from that point, you said people only get arrested for jaywalk. At that point, people are, like, getting murdered every second. Um, <laughs> it's, um... That's, that's scary. Uh, but then we get... Uh, are we back in the first movie again? Because the building's on fire. <laughs> My baby, my baby. Where's the my baby, my baby, my baby? Because there is a baby screaming. There is. This time, there actually, you know, is a, a couple who has lost another kid. The parenting in New York, like, should be parenting uh, worst parenting acts up seventy five percent, leaving more babies in buildings. Um, mm-hmm. And Peter Parker goes in, saves this little girl. Uh, I love the fact that he throws her, like, literally throws her over the ledge at one point. Um, and again, the ineptness of the emergency services in New York City. I didn't mention before when Doc Ock, the whole bit when he's running away with the bags, how the NYPD just decided to fire the shit out of him when he's climbing up buildings. There's innocent people in those buildings, the NYPD. Carrying an old lady. (laughs) And now on this point, where the hell is the fire department? Like, people are- Yeah, this is two movies in a row 
where the fire department, they have one job, go into a burning building and save people, and nobody will go in. And this, I mean, this building is like, it's not like this has just started. This is fully alight. This has been burning yeah. for a while. So I'm sure there's been a few people who've called 911, or maybe 911 doesn't work now because crime's up 75%. It's too busy. <laughs> um, but, like, I swear the emergency services have just gotten lazy in New York within Spider-Man's been around. So Like, no wonder... Peter is so overwhelmed. Like, they make him do everything. Exactly. It doesn't matter what it is. Like, he probably finishes his day of, you know, stopping the, the bank robberies and, you know, saving the uh, kidnapped victims. And then the police are like, oh, no, not so fast. Got to fill out your paperwork. Yeah. And he's sitting there at a desk, like, you know, downtown New York City, Manhattan, filling out the paperwork on the incident reports. <laughs> But anyway, so he saves a kid. Yeah, we've seen this before. Uh, we, we don't get uh, my baby, my baby, or a screaming green goblin. We just find out that sadly somebody else died, uh, which is pretty terrible. Uh, but I mean, I guess what the whole point of this scene is, um, you know, he's he's guilty. He needs to come back. I do love the fact, though, that when you hear the firefighters who are all like, you know, you've got some guts, kid, because you did our job. Uh, and then we hear that guy come up and say, like, oh, we found a body on the, you know, the second floor. And that other guy's just like, all right, knock him down, roll it up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just, like, cool. You're so nice about it. Um... Then, look, I'm just going to lump a bunch of these together. We get my girlfriend's back. She's offering cake and uh, <laughs> and milk. <laughs> uh, I do love how she just walks in on him, and then she's just all like, oh, sorry, I should have knocked. I'm like, damn, no, you just come in whenever you want. <laughs> but it's it's cute. Like, I just, I don't know. There's just something about this scene. There's just nothing to it. Just the fact that they're sitting there in dead silence eating chocolate cake. And then all of a sudden she's like, oh, you got a message. <laughs> it's like, oh, thanks for that. Um mm-hmm. So then we get May, your favourite, uh, helping the little... What's his, the kid across the street called? We, we know Henry him. Jackson. That's a Henry Jackson. Cheapskate, <laughs> aren't they? Giving him a quarter of what he just she gave his nephew for his birthday. Um, even then, look, on the flip side of that, if I'm Henry Jackson, $5 to move all that shit? Fuck off. <laughs> I want more. But, you know, he gets the comic books, too, and those he's probably selling those on eBay for a couple thousand. True. Good point. What, is, what does she say about the comic books? Like, oh, I threw those ghastly things out or something like that or yeah. gave them to Henry Jackson. But, yeah, we just obviously get this, um, you know, scene. It's Aunt May's long-winded with great power comes great responsibility, you know, how they need a hero. And um, Henry Jackson is so in love with Spider-Man. He's a new MJ. Um, <laughs> I, I've even written here at one point, shut up, May. Uh, <laughs> Kind of annoys me in this whole sequence, um, and then uh, the one the one bit I will say that I just laugh because it's like it's it's kind of going back to punch me I bleed line um, when she says Henry and I agree we don't see his picture in the paper anymore. <laughs> at, at, what, at what point does one of you say I don't agree, Aunt May? I've seen his picture in the paper before. I just think you're telling lies. <laughs> <laughs> There- and why is she sitting there discussing what she reads in the newspaper with, like, a nine-year-old? <laughs> Henry. Tell me, tell me, what do you think of the stocks this week? <laughs> well, the Dow Jones was up, but... <laughs> the is it a good time to invest in gold? <laughs> uh, so, I mean, this obviously um, leads into Peter becoming Spider-Man again. Um, he starts, you know, jumping on roofs. I'm back, I'm back, and then, my back, my back! <laughs> 
<laughs> which is funny. Uh, and sort of going back yeah. to before, we were saying about how he nearly got, uh, you know, nearly replaced because he had a back injury to Maguire. Apparently, this was like written in the script before that, so it was just kind of a coincidence oh. that, uh, you know, because mm-hmm. I think some people thought it was like an in-joke. Uh, there's that shot, though, that I really do love when they first cut to that scene when you see, like, it's that really high shot of the roofs in the car and you just kind of see, like, the tiny dot of Peter Parker walking on the roof. Um, and mm-hmm. the cars and the other. That looks amazing. I love that. But, um, I mean, I'll just cap that there, really. Uh, I mean, it's kind of a lot of scenes all grouped in with each other there. But uh, we, we sadly don't have, my baby, my baby. <laughs> when I wrote in my notes, is where's the my baby lady? <laughs> it would have been perfect to have her there. Even if it's, like, the wrong kid. She just grabs a kid. My baby, my baby, and just runs off with, like, some Korean kid. <laughs> rescued out of a building. Yes. Um. I want to go back to one scene that I didn't mention earlier, but it's a little bit more appropriate to talk about it now. Uh, when he did see the guy being beaten up on the street and he kind of turned his back. In a way, I I think that scene, this is where the the interpretation comes into it. As I said, there are scenes in this where Peter's almost unnecessarily uh, a bit of a jerk. <laughs> you know, in the fact that he knows that she's engaged now and now he wants her and he's constantly, he's playing the one playing mind games and everything. Um, but the fact is you don't have to be Spider-Man to be like, this guy's probably going to be murdered. Like for all he knows, they're going to kill this guy. But he's not the only one ignoring him though. Everyone else in New York is ignoring this as well. I know know it's New York, but still it's just, it's one of those moments, but this is where interpretation comes into it because when we have the scene, this is jumping ahead. I'll cover the stuff in the middle after this, but when we jump ahead to the, I'm back, my back, my back scene, um, you kind of learn that. Maybe it's not that he's just deciding I don't want to be Spider-Man, but that he can't do it. So you have to wonder in all these scenes where he's deciding not to do anything, is it because he doesn't have the powers or is it because he just doesn't want the responsibility anymore? Because the scene with Uncle Ben would imply he doesn't want the responsibility, but then this I'm back, my back scene would imply, no, it's because he doesn't have the powers. Now, obviously the two things are connected, but like this whole thing is very psychological. We really did need like, some type of psychiatrist as the villain in this movie. So they could sit down and it's like, tell me about your dreams, Peter. <laughs> tell me about your friend's dreams, Peter. Um, but it's, it's, it's interesting still because I kind of lean towards, well, it doesn't really make sense for him to just turn his back there. There might've been a different type of scene they could have shown, but it still is open for debate. Why is he choosing not to help people? Um, when he runs in the burning building, same thing. He doesn't have his powers. And that's what's different about this from the first scene is that he's going in there as Peter Parker. And in traditional Spider-Man style, even when he does something right and saves somebody without powers, somebody still dies. And that's the thing with Peter Parker that's always there. So no matter what he does, he can never do anything completely right. There's always something that he screws up. And that's where it goes back to this being maybe the first superhero ever that was a teenager and it was written as well if a kid really was a superhero they probably would screw stuff up every once in a while and that's what's so great about spider-man um the aunt may scene this is funny because this is the only scene left and this is the one that i like aunt may in and wow. this is the one that you got annoyed with her in wow uh, i don't find her annoying this i like her speech that she has to him you know there's a hero in all of us and all that uh yeah, she's a cheapskate. <laughs> she's relying on kitty labor here. Uh, she's 
She's basically running sweatshops out of her basement. I'm guessing they're producing all the doilies and they're teaching the piano lessons. <laughs> She's sitting there sipping a, an iced tea in a rocking chair. <laughs> Move those boxes quicker, Henry. Fucking hurry up. <laughs> Grandma's got some bingo to play. She's got a date with Bernard later. <laughs> got me a rich butler to get with. <laughs> Um, but I love the scene and I love the dialogue of the scene. This is one where the dialogue is very good. Uh, you have that line about, we agree, we don't see him in the papers anymore. But I, I kind of alluded to this earlier and this is something that's again, a little bit open to interpretation. Does Aunt May at least suspect that Peter could be Spider-Man here? Because the way she's handling the scene is like, oh yeah, we don't see him in the paper anymore. It's like, yeah, he loves Spider-Man. It would be great if Spider-Man came back, wouldn't it? Wink, wink. <laughs> and we get a little bit of that in the Amazing Spider-Man movies, and that's the one area where I felt like they did something original in the Amazing Spider-Man that deviated from these. That Aunt May kind of, she doesn't say anything, but she pretty much at least strongly suspects, you know, Peter probably is Spider-Man. And I like to kind of interpret this scene that way, that maybe she's like, you know, there's no way he's getting these pictures <laughs> unless, A, this is Harry, his best friend, and or B, this is him. And I, I like the idea that she just wouldn't say anything to him. I just, I kind of find it interesting that if you really analyze, you know, Peter's whole, oh yeah, I take pictures of him, he's my friend. He's pretty much the only known friend of Spider-Man. Why isn't he being yeah. interviewed for the Daily Bugle? Like, why isn't he a story? Like, if this was... Just imagine a world in which we lived in that superheroes were real. And we all... Like, it just... We see the tabloids and how they are with celebrities. Everyone want to know who Spider-Man is. So, you know, there would be people stalking Peter Parker. Like, oh, well, he's going to have to take a picture of Spider-Man soon. We'll have to find him. Like, you know, like... And when they go and analyze the photographs and they're like... In order to take this picture from that angle, you would have to be levitating in yeah. midair. How did you do that? Yeah. It's just so blasé, isn't it? <laughs> well, it's like, oh, yeah, we believe you. Of course you do. Um, and just going back to when they drop the suit off and he kind of he leaves that in the, the dumpster, are we not meant to believe that at any point, like I know you're kind of alluding to it with Jamison in the Spider-Man suit, is there not like some homeless guy or some other person who finds out who puts on the suit at some point? It's like, hey, I'm Spider-Man! Yeah, it's totally me! So... <laughs> That's your interpretation. That was not a garbage man. That it was the homeless guy, and he tried it on for a while, and eventually was like, "I can sell this and probably at least get myself like you know a week's worth of meals." You would totally just yeah. Well, you'd use it to your advantage. You'd walk into like McDonald's. Hey, I'm Spider Man. Give me a Big Mac. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> there is a uh, one more. I don't have much to say. You seem to be more enamored with Ursula than I am. Oh. Um, but I always did like the scene, and this was the scene that a lot of people. I remember when this came out. A lot of message boards and all that were complaining. It's like, I don't understand the purpose of the scene. And as you said, it's just kind of a nice scene. It's also somebody, you know, Peter Parker, the guy who can't do anything right. And, you know, his his aunt, he's on bad terms with. His best friend, he's on bad terms with. His girlfriend uh, wants everybody in the world but him all of a sudden. <laughs> and you just have one person just doing something nice for him. That's kind of the whole point of this scene. Yeah. My biggest complaint is she says, would you like some chocolate cake? I'm sorry, chocolate cake is not yellow with chocolate icing. That is a vanilla cake with chocolate icing. <laughs> it's Russian. It's probably different. This is Russian chocolate. Russian chocolate. It could be white chocolate, Colin. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Then that's how I want to say. You want some Russian white chocolate cake. Leave Ursula alone, okay? She did nothing <laughs> in this film except look sexy, okay? Oh, and let's be honest, God. look at her. She needs to eat cake. She needs to eat a lot of cake. So... <laughs> 
Leave Ursa alone. <laughs> anyway, um, so, oh, we cut back to John. Here he is. Look at him on that couch with stupid MJ. <laughs> <laughs> Just, uh, I love it. What does he say? Like, oh, uh, do you want to invite your pal, Peter? Yeah. <laughs> he is such a nice guy in this movie. He is. Like, like it's I- MJ hasn't complained about him. Oh, stupid Peter. Oh, which guy is that one? The reason why he doesn't remember what she said about him, because probably, she's probably complained about 30 guys that week. So. <laughs> well, this is where, I mean, I don't want to jump too you know, into your comment here, but th- we said this earlier. This is the flaw with the Spider-Man movies that... If you think about it, MJ is not ditching these nasty guys for Peter. Peter is kind of the nasty guy in this triangle. You know, if you look at Harry and John and Peter, Peter's the only one that really does anything wrong throughout any of these movies. No, you leave Peter. No, poor Peter. I'm not jumping down (laughs) Peter's throat, but I'm saying in comparison, what did Harry ever do to her and what did John ever do to her? Well, Harry did make her wear the black dress, uh, <laughs> and John did nothing. Y'all. Did you? Uh, I'll give you that. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> John's a dish. <laughs> <laughs> delicious. He's the delicious John Jameson. <laughs> um, but I like it. You know, when she gets there and she's like, you know, lean your head back. You know, oh, let's recreate the kiss. I mean, we have that in like every single sequel, don't we? We're gonna have some sort of reference to this kiss from the first film. Um, which, I mean, it's a nice, because I mean, I guess you would probably kind of put two or two together. He's this astronaut who plays football on the moon. He's probably Spider-Man. Um, so, you know, recreates it. But then, like, this is, you cannot defend MJ in any way. Nobody can defend MJ at this point, because, like, poor John, he's laying there on the couch, and he's like, oh, wow, I feel like I'm back on the moon, and stupid MJ is just sulking. And then he turns around and says, you're up there with me, aren't you? And she doesn't say a thing! Like, fuck you, MJ! Like, he's been so sweet and romantic. It's better than that poetry that Peter was reading before. He's just so sweet. And you're just staring off into the distance with your dumb eyes and thinking about all your other guys you want to get with in the next five minutes. Stupid MJ. This is, I know you're living in this fantasy world where this is like, you know, oh, this sweet, innocent scene. This is basically the was it good for you, baby yeah. moment of the movie where she's like, uh, yeah, great. Okay, I got to go now. But the flip side, it was like the line of, oh, I feel like I'm back on the moon. Like, that is sweet. Like, come on. That is, if Jamie said that to you, even your cold heart would go, oh. <laughs> even my cold heart. <laughs> you hate romance. I've discovered that. With all the- I do. I love burning people. <laughs> People, and I hate any type of romance. Hate old people. <laughs> old people. <laughs> so there we go. When we eventually do get to a romantic film, oh, you know, Jack and Rose never loved each other. Oh, it's so forced. I can tell you, there are, and, and I will let people just speculate and guess on this, but there are at least three chick flicks that I'm probably a bigger fan of than my wife. <laughs> Sex in the City movie one, Sex in the City movie two. <laughs> <laughs> Please no. <laughs> uh, I think I think one of them's you've got mail, isn't it? I think we've touched on that before, haven't we? No. I yeah, we probably did. Which again, I don't consider that a chick flick. I mean, the movie's told from the point of view of the guy, so that's <laughs> yeah. But still, it's a romantic movie about a guy basically messing with a woman for two hours, and <laughs> that's you know, why Colin likes it. He's like, ha ha ha, yeah, exactly. guy. <laughs> just they had a practical joke for two and a half hours. <laughs> Uh, but then we are in a cafe, and um, the teaser trailer. The do you te- remember that? Yes, I do. I do remember this teaser trailer. 
Um, and basically, you know, they're just having this conversation and, um, now all of a sudden MJ wants to get back with Peter, but Peter's like, no, no. Um, look, I'm not taking this from a perspective of Peter's being an arsehole because MJ's done this to him already, like a hundred times. So it's kind of like the second time Peter can do it, he, he's got a bit to catch up on until he's in MJ territory. Um, I've written here, MJ changes mind, so does Peter. Shut up, MJ, stupid, he's right. <laughs> um, Feminist Ben is not out this week. No, I'm Feminist sorry. Ben is taking a holiday. This is, this is team men. <laughs> because at this point, what does she say? Do you love me or not? I don't. To which he replies, kiss me. And I've written here, you're fucking engaged! (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like, what the... And if you actually notice, when she kind of, like, puts her hand on his or whatever that is, they, like, focus on the ring as if to say, MJ, you're engaged. (laughs) It's like Mm. even the the filmmakers are saying, you're a bitch for doing this. (laughs) Um, But then we get the taxi. It nearly kills them. Finally, his spidey senses seem to work all of a sudden. Um... Godzilla's coming again, uh, and then basically <laughs> he pins up Peter Parker and then kidnaps MJ, and uh, we're kind of setting up towards the end. Now, a couple of things here. I mean, it's a great scene. It's, you know, the special effects are fantastic. There's a slow-mo shot there of him sort of holding MJ as the car goes over their head with the wheel and all that sort of stuff. But you've got to nitpick a little bit here because it's like you see him come around that corner. Where the hell did he throw that car from to, with that such accuracy <laughs> to know Peter's in that cafe at the exact time that he's there? And why does he throw the car at them? He's got to get Peter alive to find out where Spider-Man is. So what happens if, like... Well, he doesn't know that this is Spider-Man. This isn't like the Green Goblin. But but saying, my, my point know, is, know he this needs is to Parker. find Peter though. He needs to talk to Peter. So like, what if like yeah, like, he doesn't know that Peter Parker's got spider sense. So it's like exactly that yeah. car could have killed him, and then it's like, oh shit, I needed him alive. Oh well, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> so I don't get why he he does that. Um, I've written here when when he says the line about like um, I'll peel the flesh off her bones. I've written here, please oh. do. <laughs> oh come on! I actually really like her in this movie. Oh wow, you've come around. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, because at this point, what do we get for the rest of the film? Screaming MJ, <laughs> and she does have a very annoying scream. But I guess that's the whole point. Um, <laughs> then from here, I'm, yeah, I'll lump a bunch of these together as always. Um, we cut back to the, uh, the Daily Bugle, don't we? Jamison, he's basically finally coming to the realization, oh, it's all my fault. I drove Spider-Man away. He's a hero. And all of a sudden, this costume gets stolen. Courtesy of your friendly neighborhood, Spider-Man. A thief! A criminal! <laughs> Just the way he, like, changes. <laughs> I want Spider-Man! Um, yeah, it's awesome. And then we get the sort of the scene on top of the uh, this clock tower. That's where Doc Ock has said, hey, uh, you know, meet me here. Um, and he's, oh, where's MJ? Where's MJ? Doesn't matter because they have a fight. The watch hands are going everywhere. Then we get this train sequence, which is amazing. Uh, I'm, mm-hmm. There's no way I'm going to rip shit into this. It, it, the one thing I will say, though, it's like, Kind of going back to what you're saying about with Ursula and that eating the cake. I mean, this really, in a way, doesn't have a place in the film because it doesn't affect... You know what I mean? It's just kind of an action sequence we need. I, I, I'm glad uh, it's disagree. in the film. You disagree? Okay, we'll, we'll get that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. It's, <laughs> you're, like, you're like, shut up. You can talk later. Yeah. My turn. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just lumping all this together. Um, 
But I mean, this whole sequence is cool. The the fact that there's an elevated train in New York City, uh, they don't have elevated trains in New York City. Just just pointing out a flaw there, having been to New York. Um, but it's look, you can't take away from this scene. It's so well done. Um, just the way it's kind of and the special effects look amazing. It really does. Uh, and then obviously uh, he's throwing people out of it. He gets the brake lines and he's his train ready to, you know, go flying off an edge and kill everybody on the train. We still have time for Dick Train Driver, who basically, <laughs> when Peter's trying to stop it with his feet, any other bright ideas? Like, fuck you. You're not getting out to save the train, you old codger. Like, just shut up. I'd kill him if I was Peter. <laughs> you get really angry at people in this. But then um, it's great how he kind of gets the train, stops it. Um, you know, we've got Spider-Man pooping face. Um, as he's trying to, like, <laughs> Your profile pic. <laughs> oh, hold it. Why, why does he remove his mask? Is that ever explained how he just takes his... No, you do see it. Um, there's a moment where some sparks catch on the mask and it starts burning, so he rips it off. Okay, right. Well, that explains it. But, of course, you know, he basically passes out because he's just stopped a fucking subway train with his webs, uh, in which we kind of get this weird Jesus imagery of them carrying Spider-Man over them. And then everybody sees his face and everybody's all like, oh, we won't tell nobody. Now, let's be honest, if this was set probably, what, five, six years later when everybody had cameras on their phones, yeah, uh, that's on Facebook two seconds later. Oh, my God, we know who <laughs> Spider-Man is. So, he's glad he lives in 2004 there. And it's as if they wouldn't tell anyone. Fuck off. Um, well, well, this is what I wrote in my notes. What are they going to tell them? They don't know him. They're like, um, he was white, uh, maybe 5'11", <laughs> 6 feet. Kind of look like that kid uh, from Pleasantville. Yeah, maybe a little bit like, little bit like Jake Gyllenhaal, but not quite the bad boy. Uh. <laughs> I mean, good point, but still, it's 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 if that was Hobart, everybody would be like, "Oh, it's Peter, I know you." <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, we get the line of obviously, you know, he's just a kid, no older than my son. It's like, oh yeah. <laughs> Um, but anyway, I've kind of really shortened the train sequence down. Um, so please cover everything that I just did then. Okay, um, let me go. Where did, where did we start with you? <laughs> the, the cafe sequence. Uh, okay, yeah. Stupid so, anyway. as we mentioned, this was the teaser trailer, and I love that their original idea was not the original idea. They did do it, but then they kind of pulled it from existence, that they took a sequence from the movie and released that as a teaser trailer. And this was during a time period, you know, both Spider-Man 1 and 2, where teasers really had nothing from the movie. I remember being upset the first time I saw a teaser for the Punisher movie with Thomas Jane from 2004 because they had all this hype. Like the Punisher teaser is going to be out this week and it was just narration. And then one shot of him as the Punisher. And it clearly wasn't even a shot from the movie because in the movie he has dark hair and Thomas Jane still had his natural blonde hair in the teaser. And it just made me upset. I'm like, I'm not even watching anything from the movie. This isn't even a teaser, but they use entire scenes. And I think everybody knew this scene by the time you got there. Um, but it works so well when you've seen everything up to this point. And yeah, I, I do criticize, you know, Peter being wishy-washy. There's a reason why, obviously, here. You know, he believes, now I have to be Spider-Man again. But the scene works so well, and how slow it moves, it almost feels like it's in slow motion, even when it isn't. Uh, we can nitpick them talking at regular volume like we do. It's like, do you love me? <laughs> But it just feels like it's a slow motion, and that's just one of the small tricks that Sam Raimi did in this, and the way that it comes with the Spidey sense, 
in this. The Spidey senses in this movie are so much better than what they did the first time around. You know, from he's about to or she's about to drop uh, a cafeteria tray to there's a fly and a fist coming at me <laughs> to now this a car flying through a window and you know this incredible spin with the glass coming i mean it's one of the best visuals in this entire movie and uh, uh there's a reason why we'll get to some of the reviews for this later on. There's a reason why this movie holds up so well. And a lot of it has to do how Sam Raimi made this movie look different from every other superhero movie he did without having to do actual literal comic book panels like Ang Lee did, <laughs> um, which I'm not that critical of the movie. We'll get to that eventually. But yeah, I mean, it doesn't really make sense. Uh, Doc Ock, like I was saying, Green Goblin knew that Spider-Man was Peter Parker, so he could hurl a car a car a carl <laughs> well carl deserves to be thrown we all hate carl don't know carl was a real dick yeah. to doc ock back Fuck in the carl. day <laughs> he's like what did you just throw like a grown man at me it's like that was carl he deserved it who throws carl honestly <laughs> carl tried to s- steal milfie from me like 20 years ago <laughs> <laughs> But, um, yeah, it doesn't really make sense why he would try to basically kill Peter, because if Peter was a regular mortal man, he is dead here, <laughs> and all of a sudden he's like, oh, no, Harry's not going to like this, and he pays the bills, <laughs> and the bills aren't going to get paid now, <laughs> and my experiment's going to be a failure, and Milfie died for nothing. <laughs> um, <laughs> none of it really makes sense, but Doc Ock is so good when he's sinister here, and this is what I love for him in this movie and uh my minor complaints earlier on i mean this is probably his best moment where he says he's gonna peel the flesh off our bones like it's such a vicious line um and i know you actually want to see him peel the yes, flesh off our bones i want to see that but yeah alfred molina he's not the type of guy if you've seen him in anything else you would expect him to play a really sinister villain or even an over-the-top comic book villain and he finds a good balance i think i'm not saying he's better than willem dafoe but because I probably am with you, I'm more on Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin. But I think he brought more of a realistic balance, but he still kept enough of that cartooniness to this. Uh, the Clock Tower fight, I always forget that's part of it. I always remember this climax as this restaurant scene into the train, into the warehouse uh, on the waterfront. But the clock house scene is fantastic, and a lot of the little tricks they do with the bricks falling and all that, and you know, the use of Spider-Man's powers, you know, there's clever ways that he's using his webbing here that we haven't seen before on the ways he's flying. Um, but yeah, the train scene, not only is there not a complaint about this, I mean, I struggle to think of any action scene, definitely in the Spider-Man movies, that lives up to this. This is like one of the greatest action scenes, at least of the modern era of movies, of blockbuster movies. Uh, I would put this up there with some of the stuff we've seen in James Bond movies. It's that good. And little moments like when he's chasing the train, you know, on the webs, he's basically being dragged on the ground, chasing the train is fantastic. And the way that he stops the train, you know, when the mask comes off and uh, the webs aren't working and everything, everything I complained about in that first movie that Roger Ebert, (laughs) who also had that review complaining about the same thing, that these cable cars are just loose and flopping all over the place. When he's pulling this train back, like it looks like real weight in some ways that I don't think a lot of visual effects in movies or computer effects really have been able to capture even since then. This movie did deserve best visual effects, and it's often forgotten for how good the effects are in this. Uh, I'm going to argue better than what we see in Spider-Man 3. But 
the one thing I want to get to is how you said it's kind of just it doesn't really need to be there. And I know you weren't trashing the scene, but this is that moment from part one where all the New Yorkers decide to throw garbage at Green Goblin, you know, uh, leave Spider-Man alone. Um, it's also meant, just like that scene with Ursula, to show that, like, Peter may think, oh, yeah, I, I have to do this all myself, but there are people helping him. We know it's not the NYPD. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely uh, not. <laughs> it's random train passengers, but, yeah, there are, it's, it's about the fact that there are people who will still help him and doesn't have to do it himself. And I always love that this was the first time, I think, in any superhero movie since Superman 2, where somebody's identity is revealed. And I know it's not his identity revealed to everybody, but for a mask to come off, this was a big deal at the time. And I remember thinking about how unusual it was. We'll get to, you know, when it comes off again later on, how big that is. many more times from here on in, let's be honest. <laughs> now it's off, he just, he just doesn't hold back. I run on Spider-Man! Yeah, yeah, but it, it was such a big deal to me at the time that they did this, and it, yet it makes total sense. Like I said, who are they going to tell them? What are they going to tell them? Like, uh, are they going to, you know, do uh, one of those artist uh, renditions <laughs> of uh, wanted poster or something? Uh, <laughs> they're going to end up arresting Jake Gyllenhaal or <laughs> who knows? <laughs> but, I mean, it's such a good scene, and every moment of it really works. All the cheesy moments you'll have to go through me. Uh, we're not going to go through any of the names or anything right now, but... If you go through train passengers and you just click on them on IMDb, a lot of these people have been in stuff too. It's just fun. I, I don't know if this is something where just these actors ended up going on to bigger things or if some of these were cameos. I don't know. But yeah, a lot of recognizable people showing up. The one guy who shows up at the end, I swear I've seen him before. He kind of reminds me of like a mafia boss, but I don't know who he is. The last guy who blocks away. Do you know who I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. He kind of actually looks like a one of the main characters. I watched Blue Bloods. We all love that. But um, yeah, he looks like uh, one of the main guys. And it could be. Um, Joe, I'm guessing it might be this guy, Joey Diaz, kind of looks like him. I'll quickly look him up. But uh, yeah, no, definitely he looks uh, very familiar. And yeah, I think it is Joey Diaz. So there you go, if you you can find him in front of you. It's not the guy from Blue Bloods, I will say, but uh, he has been in lots of things as Mafia yeah. bosses. Everybody else in this. <laughs> um, he was in Mafia 3, a video game. <laughs> so um, very much, and he plays lots of gangsters. So <laughs> He felt like a gangster to me. I'm like, why am I picturing a gangster right now? Yeah. He played Angry New Yorker in How I Met Your Mother. <laughs> so he's kind of... <laughs> he's kind of um, typecast there um I, I do like the bit though when they're all like you know you have to go through me you have to go through me and doc mm-hmm. like okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> cheesy but great yeah it's so good um have you anything else you wanted to add or <laughs> if anybody's hearing this <laughs> my son's elmo toy just started talking in the background that's too tight <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hear that. <laughs> uh, uh, I'll get it to talk on air. <laughs> Random Colin laughing. <laughs> His mouth is just moving. He doesn't want to say anything now. Someone loves you. What? giving you hugs. This thing just goes off on its own. It's really creepy. I'm sorry if anybody's disturbed by this. Stupid Elmo. <laughs> <laughs> the 
best thing I used to remember with the Elmo toys is when Tickle Me Elmo became a thing, you'd go to a store and like set them all off all at once and just stand back and watch them all fall <laughs> off the shelves. <laughs> He's still talking. Shut up, Elmo. I'm do a podcast here. <laughs> Oh, if we gave these titles, this episode just became Shut Up Elmo Spider-Man 2. <laughs> Shut up, seriously, it's bugging me. Shut up. <laughs> Jamie, come get, come get Elmo. My, I'll just, this is completely off topic, but my son is way too young to really get how to play with toys. When this Elmo toy starts talking, and it actually its mouth moves and its arms move, right. uh, I think it's like a hug me Elmo or something like that. He'll laugh and then he'll grab it and he will bite down hard on his eyeball, <laughs> as everybody should with Elmo. <laughs> Back to Spider Man now. <laughs> yes, I think we've officially broken the record for the longest Oz Network episode ever. But hey, cool, we're we're going with it. Um, so anyway, from this point on, Doc Ock's got Spider Man. He chains him up and puts him in Harry's place so Harry can revenge rape him, apparently, um, and gets the tritium. He goes off, and um, here we go. Harry takes off the mask. Oh, no, it's Peter Parker. Because um, get the, what does he say, that line, if only you, I could cause the pain that you cause me. And again, this is kind of my line when it's like, um, well, again, clearly you weren't that close with your dad, Harry. Like, so... Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, Peter was closer. Um... But he, Peter, Spider-Man, obviously finds the strength to rip these chains off. You know, where's MJ? Uh, we'll sort this out. Uh, my biggest thing about this whole bit is when, when he says, like, oh, you killed my father. He has plenty of time to simply say, no, I didn't. He sort of killed no. himself. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but we'll talk exactly. about that later. <laughs> but, don't tell Harry was, of course, the line. Yeah. Well, true, true. Don't tell Harry. Um, so anyway, we then cut from this. He, he goes off to save MJ. Oh, here she is again. Um, she's tied up. That's generally how she likes it with the men. And we see, <laughs> we see Doc Ock is using the Tribune to, um, basically build this, uh, fusion thing we've already talked about. Um, and then what is, what is MJ saying? For the millionth time, <laughs> power of the sun in the palm of my hand. Yes. <laughs> Great power comes great responsibility. Um, and because MJ's, oh, Spider-Man will rescue me. And he's like, no, he's dead. And all of a sudden he shows up and, you know, I should have known Osborne didn't have the guts. Uh, and this whole sort of sequence, MJ's nipples are showing again. Uh, just, you, I knew that you'd pick up on that. <laughs> you obviously noticed them too. You <laughs> also get a bit of upskirt MJ in this film. Can I just point that out? <laughs> when she's like getting dragged around. Ah! And yet you still hate her for some reason. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, yeah. <laughs> but then I've written here when she grabs that, uh, what is it, that metal rod or something to, like, help bash Doc Ock when he's, like, killing Spider-Man. I've written here, look out, MJ has something long and hard in her hands. Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, we get this sort of battle sequence, uh, you know, between Spider-Man, Doc Ock, MJ's there. Uh, then, obviously, uh, Spider-Man kicks him down. He's sort of, you know, defeated. But, oh, look, he's already started to reveal himself to everybody. So why not pull the mask off to show him who he is? Parker, brilliant but lazy. Uh, is it really the time right now to be putting quips? Like, we just saw cars getting dragged into this thing, and you're having a five-minute conversation? Like, seriously, I'm sure the Empire State Building's inside of this thing by now. You guys just shut up and save the city. 
Um, but basically, he talks him out of it, and you know he can control the arms again, and basically says, "Oh no, I need to destroy this. I don't want to destroy the city." Because like, I think we kind of touched that in the first one, didn't we? That I guess really the the villains in the the Sam Raimi trilogy aren't necessarily let's destroy the world, destroy the city villains. They sort of just yeah. have their own agendas. And, I mean, this is kind of a side effect that he's accidentally going to destroy half the city. Um, but, basically, he grabs the giant orb thing and jumps into the water to kill himself and the thing to save the city. Meanwhile, MJ is nearly getting crushed, and I'm like, damn it! Uh, because Peter catches it. But, of course, you know, at this point, MJ is, now knows that he's officially Spider-Man. Oh, there you go. Everyone's revealed. Everybody knows it. Um, and then we get the reveal that they do love each other. Oh, that's so cute. Um, and then, uh, they're up on this giant web and they're just having time for a conversation until the cops finally show up. Where were you guys? Like, <laughs> cars are being sucked into this hole. Oh, we better show up if now. Anything, they should have made it there quicker, not just with their cars, but their guns yeah. and their belts and everything. <laughs> it's all magnetic. They should be there by now. Random NYPD officers being flown through the air. Ah! <laughs> uh, but you know we get the the whole web you know oh, i'll always be spider-man i can't be with you my enemies would you know hurt you and blah 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 um <laughs> so nice to their dialogue in this movie and then oh here comes dreamy jack uh, <laughs> just John, John, Jack, whatever. <laughs> I just get lost in his eyes. Uh, he can jump from the <laughs> look, look. How good he could be, Spider Man. He jumps from the ledge onto the boat. Like you go, sir. You astronaut. And this you. was one of the uh, the trailer shots, and I saw that trailer so many times. And every single time, I thought that was supposed to be Tobey Maguire. Mm, well, look. There so yeah, credit to him. He would have made a great Spider Man, wouldn't you? Exactly. But you know what's about to happen to douchey fucking MJ. Anyway. <laughs> 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 I may as well go right to the end of the movie here, I feel, may as well. Uh, we then yep. get Harry, who, uh, you know, he's got a dagger and he's sad and shit, and then all of a sudden, we get Norman! Willem Dafoe's back! He's in the mirror! Yay! <laughs> I, was, I remember seeing people this. people come back at this season. <laughs> I remember seeing this in the movie. I was so excited when I saw him. I was like, ah, it's no, it's Willem Dafoe! Mm. Um, and it's a great scene anyway, kind of just, you know, they're, they're talking to each other. Uh, although it's kind of it's interesting how he's got this vision of him and, you know, he's all been like, you know, avenge me. But he gets that line when he's like, you're weak, be strong. <laughs> but it is a great line when he's like, avenge me. Avenge me! <laughs> no! <laughs> it's so over the top, but it's great. And then what do we see behind the mirror? Uh, it's the green goblin lair. Uh, so <laughs> all the little bombs are there, the mask, the, the glider. This isn't setting anything up for the sequel at all, is it? <laughs> well, it was setting something up for what could have been a good sequel, and what we got was kind of disappointing. <laughs> then we get uh, this wedding. Can I just point out, it's an ugly dress that MJ's wearing. That is an ugly wedding no. dress. <laughs> <laughs> She's been dressing like a granny the entire movie, and this is what you want to criticize? Yes. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> we get this massive wedding, and then all of a sudden, you know, we zoom up, and here's, you know, Dreamy John at the altar, and I love it. Like, you know, they're waiting, they're waiting. And then I love when you see Jamison stick his head in to the aisle just like you know <laughs> where is he D- delivers a note and this is this would be a fun game i think that we should get our listeners to play what does the note say <laughs> yeah like, sorry <laughs> number 27 number 27 that's not you today <laughs> um because mj doesn't want to get married the bitch leaves him at the altar <laughs> we get the great it is lot- kind of cruel. 
Huh. We get the uh, oh, kind of kind of cruel. Uh, <laughs> let's let's just imagine this was your wedding day, Colin Hilding, and Jamie doesn't show up. You're just gonna be there going, that was kind of cruel. <laughs> if she's leaving me for Peter Parker, I'd be like, that's cruel. If she's leaving me for John Jameson, I'll be like, I understand. <laughs> I really, can't compete. You really do hate romance. <laughs> <laughs> I just got married because she wanted to. <laughs> How did you propose to her? That's a funny story for another time. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Definitely. I made her seriously ticked off at me. Uh, it's a bit of a joke. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, anyway, Paul, let's just let's just picture poor John here. This is all we ever get to see of him. I mean, does he just have to leave the instead of leaving the country? He's going to leave the planet. He's going to go back to the moon. I'm so depressed. <laughs> Throwing the floor. Well, his dad canceled the catering. I mean, he doesn't even get dinner after this. <laughs> Don't He's open going the home caviar. hungry. <laughs> Don't open the caviar. <laughs> So here she is running through New York with a smile on her face to show up to Peter's house. Um, fuck you, MJ. Um, you know, poor John. Um, and then anyway, we get to the apartment uh, and uh, here we go. The, the scene, they're finally together. You know, I had to do what I had to do. I can't survive without you. I actually think that's a true line because, I mean, let's be honest, how many times has she nearly died because he's been kidnapped <laughs> by the villain? That's actually a legitimate line, she says. Good job, MJ. <laughs> um, and then, <laughs> basically, they hook up. They're about to bone. Peter's about to lose his virginity. And then, um, <laughs> <laughs> then he hears sirens. And what did she say? Go get him, tiger. Yeah. <laughs> I've always been standing in your doorway. <laughs> Oh, that's a bad line. I'll give you that. <laughs> I've always been standing in your doorway. She just <laughs> It's coarse and rough and irritating and it gets everywhere. Um, what does he say when he jumps out the window? Thank you, Mary Jane Watson, before it's like, go get him, Tiger. Let's be honest. Spider-Man has a massive boner at that point. <laughs> he's, the reason he's going, woohoo, as he like closes out this movie, is he's got a massive boner. He's just made out with this girl. He's about to get laid. He should be more frustrated than anything. Like, <laughs> fuck you, crime. <laughs> Um, yeah, this is where he's turning his back on the city. Yeah, and I've written here now, MJ will go bang the Russian. <laughs> rent? <laughs> I'll pay your rent. I'll pay <laughs> his rent for you. <laughs> the one the one thing I'll just say quickly before, you know, <laughs> this massive closing section, I've just covered everything there. The one bit I will say that really stands out is, I think, bad special effects. Those helicopters at the end look terrible. They look so yeah. fake. That's the only yeah, that's thing. That's the only bad effect shot, I think. Yeah. Anyway, all right. I just covered pretty much the last quarter of the movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, the climax is great. And I think we got all of the great action scenes prior to this. The bank scene, the uh, the clock tower scene, the train. And this one's less about the action and more about the drama. And this was that other moment where it's like, I can't believe that they just had him reveal himself. Because this is never done in comics. And nowadays, I mean... We've gotten to the point where Man of Steel ends with Lois just figuring out, you know, he's Clark Kent. And it's like, oh, yeah, it's no big deal. Because I guess that is more realistic, you know, in today's day and age. But, like, for traditional comic movies, DC and Marvel are very protective of this. And people have this idea that I mentioned this last time that because Marvel doesn't own the rights to distribute and they don't, you know, have the rights to make these movies that they don't have a say in it, but Sony can't do anything without Marvel's approval. 
And for Marvel to approve this must have been a big deal at the time because the only movie that ever did this was the first Superman or the second Superman movie. And they had Lois Lane, you know, have her memory wiped at the end of that. So this was a big deal. Um, And the scene does play really well. It's that moment in the first... I remember the first movie where his mask got kind of ripped to shreds. And I thought to myself, this is just going to become a thing in every single movie where Tobey Maguire has to be shown during the climax. We'll never just get Spider-Man fighting. Here it makes a little bit more sense, though, than what we get in this one in three. Um, And I really like his mask coming off. And and the the fact that there's a delayed reaction with her seeing it, too. Uh, Doc Ock's transformation is great here. I don't mind. I said I'm not a big fan of the whole sympathetic thing. I don't mind the sympathetic thing on the end here. I like the idea of a villain being redeemed, especially if it's not a villain you're going to have to survive. It's interesting that in comic books, the villains always live because they plan to use them again. And really, these Spider-Man movies are the only movies at the time that were having villains die. I mean, the X-Men movies had nobody die. And all these villains are dropping dead. Um, but it's it's nice to have kind of the difference with the Norman Osborn thing. Having said that, I think the success that Sam Raimi had with a lot of Spider-Man 2, he did take too far. You know, I think the successes of the raindrops keep falling scene became flaws in the next one. I think the successes of a softer villain character, uh, a redeemable villain character in this, were done a lot worse in Spider-Man 3. So there are moments where I'm watching this, I'm like, this is so good, it's so effective, but I'm also thinking, had this not been so good, Spider-Man 3 might have been a better movie because they wouldn't have felt the need to imitate it in so many ways. Uh, But the climax is fantastic. Uh, You know, the whole, you know, listen to me now, (laughs) he's drowning himself there's only a few actors who can pull off being over the top like this. And that's one thing that these first two movies got right. They got actors that could be respectable while basically sounding like cartoon characters. Um, I, I did you know, mention that, that I thought that, that was Tobey Maguire the entire time. Um, yeah, I, I don't know why they released that shot in the trailer too. Cause they weren't really showing, you know, uh, th- that's basically the end of the movie and they showed that in the, the trailer too. But, um, Obviously, the scene on the spider web, it's a little bit sappy. Uh, I'm not that big of a fan of it. But I like these two together. I like their chemistry. The wedding is what ruins it, though. And this is the beginning of what goes wrong in Peter Parker and Mary Jane as, like, the dream couple of the 2000s. (laughs) Because... (laughs) <laughs> you laughed at that? You scoffing? I'm, just, I'm never quite described that way when you think of the well, the noughties no, I, and the, the massive kind of, couples, Peter Parker and Mary I'm Jane. going back in time, and, and that, you laughing at it is kind of my point, because people don't look on this fondly as much anymore. They're like, oh, I don't really like you know them, I don't like the way that their relationship is. That all got ruined in Spider-Man 3. And yeah, we can nitpick this now, and I think that's what people do. They they eventually look back on it like, you know, she kind of just messes around with everybody, and, you know, she, she's not a very good girlfriend, and he's not that nice of a guy. But at the time these movies came out, like, this was like Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet in Titanic for that generation, or at least for superhero movie fans. I mean, they were huge as a on-screen couple in the Spider-Man movies. But it all goes wrong when you see her leave a guy at the altar. And I think that's just the moment where, no matter who you are in the audience, you can't ignore that these are kind of crummy people. And but we, we didn't get a realize lot that, of that before. I mean, it's not like this is the first bad thing she's well, done to a man at this point. No, I know that. But, but unless you're sitting down and analyze, analyzing it, you're not noticing that the first time you see a movie, you know? 
I, you know, when you were sitting there as a teenager watching this, when I'm a teenager watching these movies, we're not thinking, oh, they're such terrible people. <laughs> when we get older and you look over it, you get it. But I remember distinctly watching that scene where she's leaving a guy at the church and I no longer was behind them. I actually kind of like felt disgusted by them at the end of the movie. Um, and it's not that it's a bad scene, but just her showing up after leaving a guy at the altar, you don't feel for them at all. You feel bad for the guy and you feel that they're both selfish. So that scene, I think that there was a better way of doing it. Just don't show her at the altar, you know, show something else, show, you know, her having a conversation with the guy at, you know, a dress fitting or a tux fitting or something like that. But to show him leaving her at the altar, that makes her such an unlikable character. And everything they do in Spider-Man 3 just makes both of them so much more unlikable. Um, I honestly believe Spider-Man 3 made them into one of the most unlikable couples in the history of movies. <laughs> wow. Wow. Big call. I mean, the one thing I say, like, that when it comes to sort of the the main pairings between this, you know, this trilogy and then The Amazing Spider-Man, the two films there, is that, I mean, look, I, I, I can't deny that the chemistry between Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone is so much stronger. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to interrupt you on this very solid point you're about to make, because I just noticed you put Bernard's head on Spider-Man's body over and over. <laughs> Took you long enough to realise what I'd done on my, my Scott's. wondering when you were going to realise I'd done that on my Skype profile. That was a very quick little Photoshop job please, I did. But... Yeah, please save that and release it with this episode. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like... Andrew Garfield, like you, kind of what you were saying before about like with Natalie Portman and Hayden Christensen, like you just feel like they're going to jump each other's bones and have orgasms yeah. at that point. Like I think that's definitely a Andrew Garfield Emma Stone thing. But I also, it's not just the sexual chemistry. I think there's just other chemistry between those two, uh, and that's one real positive. I think the Amazing Spider-Man films do very well. It's just I think they're even more believable than Tobey Maguire and Kirsten Dunst. Um, but yeah, we'll get to that. But yeah, it's it's kind of it's interesting looking back on that. I mean, I do remember sort of like when Spider Man came out, you know, two thousand two, and then this came out. Like in all the teen magazines, you know, you had pictures of you know Tom McGuire and Kirsten Dunst together, and it's like, oh, look at them! Oh, they're so nice. Um, so yeah, Kirsten Dunst has kind of gone the way of Tom McGuire. Just the more I think of it, she hasn't really done a whole lot in recent times. Has Kirsten Dunst? She just kind of gone into obscurity. She did for a while. I mean. I remember around this was time this was coming out, she had a lot of big movies that weren't really very good. Um, strangely enough, I was never a big fan of her in these movies, but uh, the movies she kind of made around this time period, uh, Wimbledon, a one that she did mm. with Paul Bettany, a tennis I love that movie. movie. And uh, Elizabethtown, one that she made with Orlando Bloom. Uh, Elizabethtown especially, I remember watching that movie and thinking, I hate everything about this movie except for her. She was so good in Elizabethtown. But yeah, it, it kind of just after Spider-Man 3, there was nothing there. You know, maybe some indie movies. Uh, lately, I've seen her popping up more stuff, mostly like the TV show Fargo. She was one of the main stars of the second season. And then she was in like Hidden Figures this past year, which is like a smaller role. But I don't know, maybe maybe it's time for a comeback for her. Just when I mean, she was in Anchorman 2, was she? Was she one of the random little cameo people in that fight, was she? I don't remember her. Uh, yeah, Wimbledon. I love Wimbledon. That's a good movie. Uh, Jumanji. I was a huge Jumanji fan. Um, she was in ER for a little bit, I remember. Anyway, this isn't the Kirsten Dunst, but, you know. Bring it on. Yeah, br- of course, bring it on. I mean, she's a cheerleader. How can you not like her? Actually, the, the picture of her on her... You, Wicked- want, you want a chick flick that I'll, I'll be willingly cover. We cover Bring It On one day. I'm there. Oh, yeah, no argument from me. Come on now. This is cheerleaders we're talking about here. Um, the picture of her on her Wikipedia page, uh, I swear that's Alicia Cuthbert. Um, that is not Kirsten Dunst. <laughs> I go to her Wikipedia page right now. I swear they've got those yeah, photos no, mixed I, up. Yeah. 
That is... It's, it's very similar, I do see. That it, is yeah. scarily similar. Uh, all right, so this, obviously, Spider-Man 2, um, box office-wise, I think we touched on this in the first one. Basically, the, the interesting thing with all the Spider-Man films is that in order of box office, they basically order their films. So, Spider-Man 1 was the highest grossing, Spider-Man 2 the second highest grossing, so then 3, The Amazing Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man 2, each earned less, 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 less. So, this still earned a uh, pretty hefty $373,585,825 at the uh, US box office, the domestic box office, and worldwide $783 million. Um, so, pretty decent when it comes out. It broke the single-day... Uh, release record at the time. Uh, I think Lord of the Rings held it before this came out. Um, did it break the opening weekend at that point? No. No? Yeah, I think Spider-Man 1 still held it. But it, it should also be said, I think this opened on, if I remember it right, it opened on what would have been the 4th of July weekend. So it technically opened on like a Wednesday or Thursday. Therefore, it's weekend gross would have already had its biggest two days not included in there. The, the fascinating thing with this is that you think, like, with a movie that makes $373 million, it's got to be the number one grossing film of the year. It wasn't. It was the second highest grossing film of the year. And what was what beat it, Colin Hilding? <laughs> um, 2004? I'm struggling to remember. Oh, I didn't know if you had it in front of you there. Uh-huh. It's another sequel. It's another no. two. Uh, was Anchorman two? No, it was the <laughs> highest grossing animated film until uh, Shrek. Shrek two. Yeah. yeah, who would have thought yeah. that? Shrek two, uh, the highest grossing film of two thousand four. Now that you mention it, I believe Shrek two did top that same year. Shrek two topped Spider Man's opening weekend record, which is crazy. So that that is, would make that. I mean, look, I'm not dissing it. I actually like the Shrek franchise, and I like Shrek too. Uh, but it's kind of interesting to think, because I didn't think the first Shrek was, like, hugely popular. Uh, you know, at least Spider-Man levels are popular. So, mm. um, anyway, we, we'll get to the Shrek series at some point. Um, but, yeah, critically, uh, I think we did touch, and this is easily the highest rated critically of all of them, 93% mm. on Rotten Tomatoes. That is that is very high. Um, 83 on Metacritic, and its cinema score is A-, minus. so you're easily the highest of all the Spider-Man films. I don't know if you've got much to add on the uh, the whole uh, ratings because you generally go into a little bit more details, I feel, than I just give the uh, generic uh, little little well, nods there. I mentioned it was funny that when I was criticizing uh, some of the effects in Spider-Man 1, I happened to glance through Roger Ebert's review and realized that he was pointing out all of the criticisms I had. Uh, I remember when this came out, what a big deal it was, again, that Roger Ebert, who's a pretty picky critic and probably the most famous critic in the world, I remember his review for this just being, like, huge. Like, he he loved the movie, and he actually gave it four out of four stars. Um, he called it the best superhero movie since the modern genre was launched with Superman. Uh, and at the end of the year, Roger Ebert not only ranked it in his top ten best films of the year, he ranked it as number four. For the entire year of 2004. Wow. Uh, which is nuts for, you know, a serious movie critic to take a superhero movie and put in his top five. Well, just seeing here the legacy of it still, that it's still, yeah, ranked constantly high as one of the best sequels, best ever uh, superhero films of all time. Awards-wise, we obviously discussed it won an Academy Award for Best Visual Effects. It was also nominated for two other Academy Awards um, for Best Sound Mixing and Best Sound Editing. It won uh, the American Film Institute Award for Best Film of the Year. It won the BMI Film and TV Awards for Best Film Music Award uh, for Danny Elfman. Um, one of the... I Actually, can we talk about that really quickly? Of course you can. 
for Danny Elfman to win an award, it's funny because <laughs> you mentioned how much you love the score for this for the first one. Mm. Um, I remember at the time thinking, well, they've got Danny Elfman just because he did like the Tim Burton Batman movies, and it almost sounded very similar. But I've come to love the score for the first Spider-Man movie. I love the second one too, but it's interesting that I've heard lots of stories since then, and it's been pretty much confirmed. Uh, especially when you consider that Danny Elfman didn't come back for the third movie and that him and Sam Raimi had a huge falling out during this and that in the end, only about 10 or 15 minutes of the music you hear was Danny Elfman's. Most of his score was rewritten and re-recorded by other composers and that's what ended up in the movie. So Danny Elfman won an award for something that he basically <laughs> left the project on and has very little to do with. <laughs> Danny Elfman just always reminds me of the Family Guy episode when they did the, of the Star Wars ripoff and how they've got like, ladies and gentlemen, John Williams and the orchestra and like, then they all get killed. So then they're like, oh, we're replacing with Danny Elfman and it's like, just it's funny. I can't do it justice. I should, I'm not going through all the awards, but I mean, it did win the- Best impression. Thank you. Thank I was going to say that was the best impression ever of a Danny Elfman feat. <laughs> 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 uh, I should just mention the Saturn Awards uh, did win Best Fantasy Film. It won Best Actor for Tobey Maguire, Best Director for Sam Raimi, Best Writer for Alvin Sargent, uh, and Best Special Effects. So it won a lot of uh, Saturn Awards. So And also won a lot of Visual Effects Society Awards, um, which apparently is a thing. Oh, those are the big ones. Oh, just everyone aims for those ones. Uh, but I guess this is the point now where the most important rating comes. It's our rating. <laughs> We're going to yeah. buy it, rent it, or bin it. And I kind of feel this is a, a fairly obvious one for both of us. Buy it. Buy it, yes. <laughs> no, bin buy it. it. I've decided. Bin it? Like, no. <laughs> I'm joking. Buy it and, uh, I don't know, laminate it and <laughs> keep it on your wall forever. Like, this is a perfect movie. Putting uh, putting it up there with Bernard. It's just standing there, a little picture of him <laughs> holding this disc. <laughs> <laughs> Got your DVD, sir! <laughs> um, yeah, buy it. No, no question. Agree with everything you said. Uh, so that's Spider-Man 2. Thank you for listening to our longest ever episode on the Oz Network. And we've still got uh, three more of these Spider-Man movies to go. Uh, next one, Spider-Man 3. And uh, obviously a film that you and I are going to have varying different opinions on, I feel. Um, you know, look, I like Spider-Man 3. I think the, the criticism, yeah, as I said earlier in this episode, a lot of it I can understand. Uh, I definitely think there's a lot going on in this film. But... Um, I don't mind it. Like, I don't get the absolute hatred it gets. But uh, I still think it's got plenty of good stuff in it. And I would still easily take Spider-Man 3 over The Amazing Spider-Man 2, by far. Uh, The Amazing Spider-Man, maybe. You're dead to me. Maybe. (laughs) Maybe. I don't know. Uh, But, yeah, I I, I definitely give this a lot more credit than I think anybody else will. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I think... If you've heard what I've said about Spider-Man 3 so far, you might be surprised there's a lot of stuff I am going to praise in that. Um, And I definitely uh, think that it was a salvageable movie because I don't remember if I mentioned this on the last episode, but I know I've mentioned on other ones that one of my favorite hobbies is to take movies that I think are bad but are fixable and kind of re-edit them myself, you know, taking little bits of scenes out, rearranging different scenes and fixing them. And one of the ones I did that with was Spider-Man 3. And it was when my nephews wanted to watch Spider-Man 3. And I just kept telling them, it's, it's a bad movie. You don't want to see Spider-Man 3. And I decided to just you know take one day and re-edit the movie the way that I think it could work better. 
and I showed it to them. They loved it. Their kids are going to love everything. But I showed it to my wife, and she loved it, too. And honestly, I will sit down and watch my re-edited version of Spider-Man 3 and not really have much to complain about. So I'm going to kind of go throughout the episode uh, detailing what could be done to fix Spider-Man 3 because I don't think it's an all-around bad movie. It was just something that desperately needed to have, like, 15 minutes cut out of it and a different tone to it. And no singing and dancing on top of pianos in jazz clubs. Everybody, uh, if you ever get invited over to Colin's house and he says, let's watch a movie, just be prepared to watch something that you've never seen before. Because he's probably yeah. like, have you seen this version of the Titanic where it doesn't sink? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a movie I cannot salvage. Sorry to say. Hey, don't knock Titanic. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, we'll look forward to Spider-Man 3. Uh, we hope you're enjoying these with us. Uh, another very interesting episode, I feel. Um, but yeah, theoznetwork.net is our website where you can find all our other episodes. Subscribe on iTunes, uh, rate us while you're there, leave us feedback. Got any other comments that you want to add before we get into other Spider-Man films and your thoughts on Spider-Man 2 and Raindrops and, and all Bernard and everything else in between? Um, <laughs> go for it. And of course, you can like us on Facebook and uh, follow us on Twitter and all that sort of regular mumbo-jumbo. But we're out of here. We're done. Thank you for listening. My name is Ben, and I'll always be standing in your door. And my name is Colin. Uh, In my dream, I'm Colin. But it's not really my dream. It's actually my friend's dream. Thank you for listening to The Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net. 